one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. God, I love baseball. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. I believe in the church of baseball. There's no crying in baseball! Everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Andrew. And I'm Paul. And this is Play Ball. Baseball at the Movies. This is the show where we watch and talk about every baseball movie. Every single one. Every single one. Every single one. All of them. Every, doing... every single one, though. That's All right. of them. Yeah. That's right. Did we say that? Yeah. yeah okay, good. That. Actually, we're doing a movie today, Paul. <laughs> oh, it's that, cool. As we always do. Yeah, interesting. Uh, which I had never heard of. Change of pace. Until this podcast. That's very true, yeah. You texted me this, and you said, hey, this looks great. Did I? Is yeah. that how that happened? Yeah. It was, wow. like, it was a while ago. My memory's fucking terrible. I remember, I remember that. that whatsoever. It, it looked really good, and yeah. spoiler alert, it turned out to be really good. pretty good, yeah. 2016 we should probably say the name oh you want to ask me how i'm doing yeah we'll get there we'll get there (laughs) this podcast is five hours we can acknowledge (laughs) (laughs) we can acknowledge each other just people are in there for the long haul you know that's true yeah they're 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 along for the ride that's right we can acknowledge each other as people first how you doing today man i'm good that's good i'm doing pretty good a little tired that's great i think we're all tired when people say i'm tired today who the fuck isn't tired (laughs) we're all tired we're all trying (laughs) always to slog through it yeah uh doing great we're at the we're at the new setup we should tell the listeners we got a, we got a whole, new, whole setup. new setup i feel Pretty like we have a new setup like every, every episode, episode. Yeah. yeah for the last like four it's been just exponentially better but, that, but to be fair we have a lot of new setups it's very <laughs> we, true but we got we each have our own desk this time this yeah, is great which is kind of cool mic stands got our computer set I mean, up we've had my don't don't tell them everything we've had mic stands <laughs> for, for a while not for all of them no. <laughs> all right it's a little behind the scenes yeah. I'm fucking it's editing a, all this out. Um, hey, today we're talking about <laughs> a movie called The Phenom. The Phenom. Yeah, which you may or may not have heard of. I don't know. I Probably not. Like me, I hadn't heard of yeah. it until this podcast. Unless you're like a cinephile. That's true. Yeah. Because it came out, I mean, you're about to say the, it, but yeah, 2016? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, so it did come out in 2016. Nailed it. Jumping the gun a little bit. <laughs> if you haven't heard of this movie, like me, <laughs> the logline is... <laughs> A phenomenal rookie pitcher undergoes psychotherapy to overcome. Oh, phenom! What phenomenal? That's yeah. No, I'm joking. This is a bad joke. Oh, yeah. welcome to Paul's bad jokes, the podcast. <laughs> oh, welcome to the other joke Great. that we always do <laughs> about remaking new podcasts. Oh boy, we haven't done this in a while, so now I'm cycling <laughs> through all the greatest hits. I'm a Giants That's fan. True. Okay, go That's on. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a phenomenal rookie pitcher undergoes psychotherapy to overcome his bullying criminal father's crippling influence and come to terms with his past. It's basically whiplash with baseball. That's it's, the wi- short. It's, it's, it's whiplash, goodwill hunting, the baseball movie. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> it's whiplash with one or two scenes of goodwill hunting. Yes. Yeah. There's a couple that are like, baseball. oh, that's like right out of goodwill yeah. hunting. This movie stars Johnny Simmons. Uh, it stars Ethan Hawke as his father. Johnny Best. Simmons is the phenom. Yes. I forget what his name is. He's, he's the guy. Uh, fuck. I, I, I even just kept writing movie. Johnny Simmons in yeah. my notes because I kept we'll forgetting get his there. name. We'll get there. Ethan Hawke plays For, the father. Who's phenomenal. Yeah. And, he's uh, a phenom. And Paul, oh boy, Paul Giamatti yeah. um, plays the... Uh, plays Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> the, ther- the, the sports psychologist. The therapist. 
It is directed by uh, indie darling, actually Noah Bouchelle. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of a lot of hits that I've well not seen festivals. any of his other movies, but I haven't either. But every review I read was yeah. like, "Wow, everything he does is just it's so good." Yeah, yeah Noah Bouchelle. Should we listen to the trailer? Let's listen to that dang trailer. Let's do it. You want to be the best? What time is it? Do you want to be the best? Yeah, sure. The time is now. What's the most fun you ever had playing baseball? When I was five or six. How do you think you can get pitching to feel that way again? That's the big question. You add millions of dollars to it and something changes. We have to be a little concerned with the rookie at this point. Throwing five wild pitches in one inning. Do you have any idea how much pressure I'm under right now? I can only talk to you and listen to you. I can't pitch for you. Do you think that your father had a lot to do with your success? Don't make me get up and chase you. Don't make me get up and chase you. Do not make me get up and chase you. Oh my god, it's so scary. Oh my god. Incredibly intense that trailer. That scene when he's obviously listeners you haven't seen it but go watch the trailer but basically that scene where Ethan Hawke is screaming his son is doing suicides which are like a wind sprints. Yeah, yeah, and he's chasing after him at like 3:30 in the morning. Yeah. It's crazy. So scary. It's yeah. so Ethan Hawk, it was very scary. This, this movie's movie. really hard to watch. Yes. We got it. We should I, I we should a little triggering up. for sure. Yeah, we should put that up front. This I found this movie really difficult to watch. It's a lot. Really and, good. and a lot of that well done, but is Ethan Hawk's performance, yeah, I think. He's hundred percent. He is a uh, a wild animal in this movie, dude. Yeah, he's he so really fucking it's a great, so magnetic too. You can't stop watching him. Oh yeah. my god, he's so good. Uh, maybe movie, not. Maybe he should have been nominated. I don't know. Yeah, probably I, should be nominated for every part he's in because he's so fucking good. He's great. Uh, the movie came out in 2016. Favorite baseball facts from that year, Paul? 2016. 2016. Let me think about what happened in the year 2016. Tell you what, Paul. I'm okay. going to give you the top two. Well, I already know what number one is. Most important facts of okay. 2016. Let's hear what your number two is. Okay, number two. Yeah. In 2016. Yeah. The second most important baseball fact. Mm-hmm. Cubs win the World Series. Okay, we'll see. No, that's interesting, Andrew. Cause <laughs> I, I would say 100% of people would argue that that was probably not only the most notable uh, thing that happened in sports in 2016, but probably maybe ever. So let's hear what you think number no, one is. Number. So that was number two. Okay, yeah, I got that. Number one. Let's hear what your... <laughs> the, the gold medal. Okay, sure. On May 7th, Bartolo Colon. It's his only career home run. Oh, <laughs> my God. Most important baseball fact of the year. The impossible has happened. It's so good. Holy shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I take back everything I said. That's it's the only, best thing that happened only in sports. career home run. Obviously, I'm biased towards my Giants announcers as being the best broadcasters in baseball. All right. All right. But that call of Bartolo's home run <laughs> it's really good. is incredible. <laughs> it's one of the best. Listeners, go. If you haven't yeah. seen it, go watch. Go watch it. Actually, no. Get get like a lead up first. Watch yeah. like a montage of Bartolo hitting. Yeah, to watch, know. Get your get your bearings yeah. of Bartolo at the plate, <laughs> and then watch his <laughs> then fucking watch home, the run. home run. <laughs> it's so best good. thing of best thing in baseball in 2016. The Phenom was received pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got 79 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, most of the reviews kind of admired it, but it's such a cold movie that everyone mm. was like, "Yeah, it's well made," but I mean, I don't. Nobody kind of loved it. I think. Yeah, it's um. You know, I have my criticisms, but yeah. it's 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 a hard movie to love. 
it's a hard movie to love, but it's a hard movie not to. Admire. But I think it succeeds think also, in in doing that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Here's Frank Sheck from the Hollywood Reporter. Frank Sheck. Huh? He said the Phenom often has the feel of a stage play, but while mm. it sometimes feels claustrophobic, it works well enough thanks to the incisive characterizations, authentic dialogue, and excellent performances. Wow, yeah, that's spot on. Definitely agree with. I wrote several times that it felt like a play. Yeah, it really I, did. Hundred percent agree with the performances. And the that performances lift the movie. Yeah, I think if you don't have those Paul Giamatti and even Johnny Simmons was great. Yeah, they were all if without them the movie is nothing. Well, speaking of those guys, including Paul Giamatti. Yeah, what about those guys? Here's a fun fact. Just before we dive into the rest, okay, we have some amazing baseball descendants about Paul Giamatti, movie. star Big Fat Liar. <laughs> The, that that's that's the movie you're going with sure uh, okay. what other ones are there andrew I don't know. sideways nope yeah. big fat liar baby <laughs> i guess you're right i fold <laughs> i guess <laughs> what's better than blue face paul giamatti well listen to this okay so paul giamatti his father angelo bartlett giamatti wow, was a, a cool very name. important figure in baseball yeah. he was the commissioner of baseball what? who banned pete rose what yeah. What? Did you know that? You know what? Actually, now that you say it, I think I did know that, but that's yeah. fucking crazy. It's crazy, right? Wow. What a decision. That's... At the t- like, now it's such a like historical baseball thing, right. you know? But, but that, at the time... That was him. Yeah. Dude, what Paul a... Giamatti should play his dad in oh that my God. In a movie about that. Whoa, that's intense. His, oh. And then he died really soon, out, like two weeks after this. Or oh, like yes. That. I think I did read about this, yeah. and there's some speculation that sad. his decision about the pete rose thing may have like no like affected because i think he had a heart attack that's horrible yikes Mm. so sad well but he's not the only one so ethan hawk is in this movie who i love as we have established yes his grandfather so i I rented this from the library got the dvd you're so fucking cool dude you rented from the fucking library shout out to libraries Dude, libraries are cool i wish i went to the library i borrowed it i borrowed it i should use the correct phrasing i borrowed it from the library okay uh that's true but so i watched the special features. you can buy things from the library they you have a, it's weird when you can't rent them though that's the that's the i thing. know but like you when, when you go you in and them. it's like oh here's the library store like yeah. what, the fuck? what are you doing <laughs> it's awesome it's great well so ethan hawks as i learned on the special features of the dvd ethan hawks grandfather was a manager in one of the texas like farm system independent leagues oh cool but he was also part of the team that branch ricky put together of scouts and coaches to help find the first african-american player to integrate baseball who we all know eventually was jackie robinson what so his his grandfather what ethan hawk's grandfather was on the team that helped find jackie robinson and ethan hawk talked about this on the yeah he said it was like the the pride of his family yeah grandfather his grandfather he said was in the texas baseball hall of fame oh my god yeah and so he said he's always been a big baseball fan because of that his grandfather Work for Branch, your favorite My guy. My favorite, speaking of the greatest hits. Yeah, greatest hits of this show yeah. are Paul's a, I'm a Giants, Giants fan. fan. I'm a Dodgers fan. Uh, let's Ooh, make a uh, podcast about that. Yep. Um, got it. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. About Barry Bonds all the time. And uh, Branch Rickey, your Branch favorite Rickey. guy. Best he's, name. He's, he's named after a tree. It's true. Uh, yeah. uh, what was uh, uh Hold on. Bark Ricky. You know, it's like Megan or... Um, <laughs> Or uh, Bark Ricky's not a bad baseball. Roots movie. Ricky. Roots. That's the one. Roots, Roots Ricky. Ricky's very good. The literation's really very nice. Roots Ricky comes up at the plate. Come I, on, you're winning that game. <laughs> I'm chlorophyll Ricky. 
It's fucking uh, weird. It does have the same, <laughs> the same ring to it, Chlorophyll Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that guy's in double A. Autumn leaves Ricky. <laughs> He's in single A. Yeah. <laughs> Roots anyway. Ricky. Roots Ricky. Rick, Roots Ricky's very He's a good. backstop. Maybe that was his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Branch just seems like a nickname. I think I think that's where I get so uh, enamored with it, because it's just... I've, no one else in history is named Branch. Maybe. His I last don't... name is a first name, and his first name is a part of a tree. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it works for baseball. Anyway, he's a mensch, and we all love him. We and love Ethan Hawke's grandpa knew him. Yeah. What an honor. Uh, so there you go. That's Slash the... help bring Jackie yeah. Robinson to play, but it's fucking crazy. So we have some great baseball legacy okay. in, this, uh, in this film. All right. So, Paul, we're going to walk through the plot of this movie. Let's do it. And then later in the show, we're going to do our favorite segment. Which one? I don't know. It's my favorite segment. I don't know about you. Inside the IMDb ba- trivia? <laughs> <laughs> no, Inside Baseball. Oh. It's our favorite part of the show. Yeah, it's pretty good. We have some amazing segments on Inside Baseball today. We're going to be talking about teams. You don't know if they're amazing and we haven't done them. I think they're good. Mine okay. Good. How do you feel about yours? I think mine's pretty mine's good. Mine's pretty good. It's just a, <laughs> it's a little scatterbrain, but I'll do what I can. Well, so we're going to be talking about teenage phenoms relevant to the phenom yeah i would say so we're also going to be talking about sports psychologists yes we are can't wait to do that one and we're going to be talking about the most intimidating pitchers in all of baseball history yeah i'm really excited i can't wait. i'm actually really excited about that one so if you want to skip ahead we're going to walk through the plot we're going to review the film if you've already seen it if you're familiar with this movie you want to skip ahead check the notes go ahead we always put the time it. code where you can just skip right to inside baseball but if you haven't seen this movie stick around and let's walk through the plot let's do that let's do that yeah, yeah. So it starts with our main character is Hopper Gibson. Yeah. He's a young pitcher. That was his name, Hopper Gibson? Hopper Gibson. I wrote Johnny Simmons like 40 yeah. times in my notes. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I wrote him. I guess they do say Hopper a lot. I think he's in every scene of the movie. I would, so. yeah. And if yeah. he's not, it's from his POV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if he's not in the shot. Yeah. Uh, I think also Hopper, I think it's, uh, I think it's supposed to be like a little nod to Harper. Too. oh definitely yeah, yeah yeah definitely that's what i kept and gibson's obviously yeah of course yeah yeah um I also hopper gibson great fucking baseball great name. name it's a really good great baseball, baseball name. name i don't know it, they're both last names to me i think that's like, why it's good <laughs> i think baseball names have to have a lot of syllables and they have to be like unconventional names names that you wouldn't necessarily hear very often i agree with that but i, I don't know i think there's also something about you got to have one name that's so much better than the other that you just mm-hmm. call them that like you need yeah, like I think Hopper is that that yeah but Gibson is good enough that you would like mm. that could be that name if it was like Mike Gibson so his baseball name is too good is what you're saying <laughs> it, it, it's like pick one sure okay <laughs> they can't both be like Mike Trout like Trout yeah it's just good. so phenomenal yeah you know you need he needed to become like Bill Hopper or something like that. <laughs> Bryce Hopper <laughs> Hopper is a, a weird first name that's for sure yeah. So, okay. Moving on. So this weirdo, <laughs> <it's> the, <laughs> Johnny Simmons. The movie just starts, literally just starts. There's yeah. No, there's no credits. There's no credits. There's no fade in. There's no sound. It's just him it's, on the mound. Well, so I was watching it on a DVD, yeah. and I was like, "Did it just pick up in the middle?" Like, I thought the it, same thing too. Yeah. Yeah. It just went. So it just starts, and it's a shot of him on the mound, and he's sweating and he's freaking out, and then the and he's conver- in a Braves uniform. Yeah. And then the conversation of the next scene kind of starts and then we transition into that of him talking to Paul Giamatti, who is his sports psychologist. And this kind of sets up the movie. So first of all, the, the framing of this movie is it jumps around in time a bunch, but basically it kind of keeps going between his journey 
and these sessions with Paul Giamatti. So it'll be him working with Paul Giamatti, and then it will cut between that and the rest of his life and backstory. And we see him in high school a little bit. We see him once he's get once he's gotten to the minor leagues. A lot of back and time jumps. Yeah, but okay. So the movie starts with him talking to Paul Giamatti, and we get kind of the premise, which is that um, he's a young pitcher. He's a he was a highly touted prospect. He has now moved his way through the ranks. Has has had a great season so far with the Braves. Yes, but he choked in a big spot. It was a nationally broadcast game. I think it was Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, and he's given up five. Uh, not giving a five runs. He had five wild pitches in one inning. Yeah, and so the he had a t- very, very bad outing. A big meltdown yeah. on a big stage. Yeah, and so the team, I think, has set this up. Basically, they are trying to calm him down before the playoffs. Yes, basically, we will later learn. But I think just for the framing of this, we should put it here. We'll later learn that the Braves are they've won the division. They're going to the National League Division Series. Uh, but they've had some pitcher injuries, and so they're trying to figure out who's going to fill in the rotation. He's a prospective candidate because he's had a great rookie season, right? But then he had this huge meltdown in so a big like, spot. Mm, yeah. So they bring in Paul Giamatti to calm him down. Right. That's sort of what get his, him back on track. Yeah. What his purpose is. So get him out of the yips. Oh boy. Well, so we start with this conversation between the two of them we're talking about focus we're talking about concentration yeah uh they mentioned this former player who hopper gibson is always compared to named howard glass i definitely thought was real i did too i 100 i was like well we're doing another segment on howard glass spoiler alert he is not (laughs) real real. nope i kept typing it into google not really based on anyone yeah it just went to the phenom and i was like no where's the real guy yeah Um, (laughs) i did the same thing but he's he's a player who uh, is always compared to Hopper Gibson, partly, especially after his meltdown. Especially after the meltdown, he was a young rookie venom. He had this meltdown, and then uh, we'll kind of later learn that he didn't have a very good end. But you don't want to say it? Uh, he committed suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gibson is Hopper is asking Paul Giamatti like, "Oh, did you work with Howard Glass?" And he's like, "Nah, eh, not really." Yeah. And they talk about the yips a little bit too. The what? Uh, <laughs> so we actually talk about this in our podcast about Ed. Yep. If anybody wants a great Anyone podcast about a to, horrible movie, uh, make their ears bleed. Actually, the podcast is good. The episode's good. The movie. If good. you want to make your ears have a nice time, your eyes bleed, and then yeah, watch go the watch it and have your eyes bleed for sure. But something that we talk about in that show more in depth is a phenomenon called the yips. Yes. Basically, what this is is when an athlete is unable to do one thing. They just get some kind of psychological block, and they can't do this very routine play. Right. So, in Hopper's case, he can't throw strikes anymore. Right. He's throwing wild he's pitches, known, and he's known for his like pinpoint control as well. Yeah. But this is it, it's actually often a phenomenon with second basemen who just can't make the routine right. throw back to Wasn't first. There, I, I think Chuck, I remember a, a catcher who couldn't throw back to the pitcher anymore. Oh right. yeah, that's something, or or can't throw to second right. on the steal. Right. Um. So that's the yip. So they talk about the yips. And Giamatti says, I don't like to call it the yips. It's just we're working on your throwing. Right. Which is a real thing that sports psychologists do. We'll talk about it later. But we also, again, we talk about it in the Ed podcast. Sports psychologists don't like the name the yips. It's just we're working on your throwing and it's a process and we're doing it. Right. So they talk about all of that. And then we get into a flashback. And that whole scene, by the way, was fucking great. 
It's terrific. Yeah, it, it sets so up the well characters. Done. It set, establishes a tone for the movie. It that really like, does. Yeah. There's these wide shots where they don't cut and they're just talking and it's just very natural, realistic dialogue. Yeah. And there's room to breathe. This, and it, the cinematography in this movie is fantastic. Very well done. Yeah. It's great. The next scene, we see him leaving the stadium. So I don't know if he's meeting Giamatti at the stadium or this is just cutting back to yeah, after it's hard that to tell. game. It's definitely present-ish yeah. after his meltdown. But basically, it's it's one shot, and it's him leaving the game, and he gets into his car, and he basically the press is kind of hounding him, and he drives off. Yeah. And then basically, we have this incredible shot where a camera is like in the passenger seat's viewpoint yep. looking at him driving so we can see out the driver's side window yeah and he pulled, and he's listening to like sports talk t- yeah talk talking about, about him him and comparing him to howard glass which yeah. is insane which is nuts yeah so mean so and terrible crazy. man he had a meltdown like howard glass wonderful yeah. kill himself like it's yeah, yeah. so it's, bad it's so it's so terrible it's so yeah well then so then again this great shot he comes to a stop next to a bus at a red light and the bus has an advertisement for the show Justified right. from a couple of years ago. Here it's a good show. Don't watch I it. I hear it's great too. Yeah, I hear Timothy really Oliphant's good. very good in everything he does. So. But the ad is basically Timothy Oliphant holding the biggest handgun you've ever seen in your right. life. And of course it lines up right so it's right in his face. It's a very good shot. It's not subtle, but wow, it was really effective. It's very good. Dude, it's really you good. know what I just thought of? What's that? Who? Why have they not put Timothy Oliphant in a baseball movie? Yet? Oh, he would be great. He would be fucking great. Has he not been in a baseball? Movie? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking I right now. Was. Maybe is he, he is. In that one movie. Which one? Is he in that Which one? one? <laughs> Which one? Is he in that one movie where he's like a stoner and he's playing baseball and it's like holy the 70s? shit? Days and confused? No, no. What? I mean, that's kind of a baseball movie. Oh my god! It. No, no. There's like a he. Uh, I, we'll we'll solve this. Maybe later. he is. I think he is. Tune in Maybe to our the dream end has of come the show. Yeah, check out <laughs> <Yeah>. season five. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is a great shot. So then we cut to him in high school, and the teacher is giving him a speech, basically yeah. about how he needs to uh, focus on the rest of his schooling and not just rely on being a talented athlete. Right. But it's so harsh, the way it's written and delivered, and. It's actually kind of kind of becomes a theme in this movie. Everything is so oh, they just dump on him. This whole movie, yeah, it's true. Every scene is all about how he's like in some way. Not every scene. And I but. think that scene is affecting, especially because it's a POV shot. Yeah. So the teacher's coming at you, so you really feel what it's like to be in his shoes in that moment. Absolutely, and you really feel the dumping. Well, it's the first. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard dumping. <laughs> it's just a. <laughs> it's the first of many scenes about how he's not good enough in some way yeah so either he's not smart enough because he's an athlete or he's not working hard enough right with uh, you know in the athlete world he's not good enough because he hasn't done it yet whatever but she basically says to him you need to work on you need to you have this amazing gift you need to bring the rest of your person up to that level otherwise you're just an untrained thoroughbred yeah it's so so the rest of your person to that level yeah She's basically saying like you're you're a dumb empty vessel who's I good for kinda. one she had, she's thing. She's making good points though. Like he should do <laughs> yeah, his schoolwork. So, he's just freaking he's a freaking kid. I don't know. I felt for him in that. I scene. felt for him too, but also at the same time, like doing his homework is important. That's you know? true. <laughs> yeah, but you're an untrained thoroughbred. 
Well, and but they also reveal <laughs> in that scene that she knows his father, and that's where that's they pl- right. they start planting that seed that right. she went to school with his father, who was, was also kind of a, on the baseball team. Kind of a bad egg, and he was a piece of shit, right? Yeah, and so like she is seeing the signs of she doesn't want him to go down that road. Right. So that, I think that's why she's being so harsh. Definitely. So then we cut to he's having dinner with his girlfriend's family. Right. And again, there's just the, the separation is really who, emphasized here. His parents, her parents are essentially just the, just the parents from uh, get out. <laughs> if you think about it, <laughs> yeah, like these very so. liberal, liberal um, intellectuals. Yeah. And he just doesn't fit in there. Correct. You know, they, again, that, that was what I took away from the scene about how he just doesn't fit in. I mean, they yeah. make, they make jokes about socialism and he doesn't understand what socialism is. He right. has to ask. And they, the, I think the mom even has a line of like, oh, well, you're still an athlete after all. So, right, right. you know, it's just, it's all, the dad says, like in my time, all the athletes wanted to be political, like Muhammad Ali. Now, right, now. now they just want to be like Michael Jordan, just right. empty millionaires or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's heavy. just, it's so tough. I it's, will say that it was cool to see a baseball movie have a modern sports conversation. Because <laughs> I think Sugar is probably the most recently made baseball movie we've done so far on the show yeah sugar season one go and this out. movie in 2016 they were they were literally and this is gonna date the podcast sorry andrew hates when i do this <laughs> they were literally talking about how ncaa should pay their athletes right so collegiate sports players should get paid and like yeah. literally a couple days ago gavin newsom just signed a bill yeah. to make that happen that steps are are are, are in process right in now. process to make that actually happen so yeah it was cool to watch a movie and be like hey that's relevant to that was cool. right now yeah it was really cool the dad is like railing on the draft yeah he's he like no like yeah it. you should just sign with the yankees if you want to sign with the yankees but even then they're talking about like the politics of sports right yeah and hopper is like i just, uh, just want to buy my mama's house <laughs> yeah i want to buy my mama i want to take care of my mom and yeah. i want to play baseball yeah. you know he's he's uncomfortable in that he's a simple man setting. who throws a ball oh boy <laughs> <laughs> So the next day, uh, Hopper goes in to see the coach, and he has yes. this conversation with the coach. But the first of three, the second, I guess, the second of what totals into three father figures in this movie. Yeah, that's true. All try, all vying for his soul. But again, so here's the thing. So I think you felt that the coach wasn't like the coach was like a good figure to him. I mean, comparatively, I, I'd yeah, say sure, better not physically abusive yeah so that's a positive yeah yeah yeah. but even then so here's how i wrote it down because it was so striking to me here's how this scene starts yeah he sits down and the coach asks him how's the change of coming and hopper says it's okay sometimes i think i'm getting it and then other times um, he kind of trails off yeah and the coach is like looks at him he's like it's not really anything to get and it's just like even that was like yeah i guess idiot like but again it's like come on this is so simple anybody can do it and he's like clearly trying to be thoughtful about yeah. getting the handling and the mechanics and all that and it's just like everyone is just so but i think it all stems from and this scene does that again this is the second seed that's planted about the about his dad that's true because the coach also played with his dad yeah and he's i think both of the coach and the teacher are coming from this perspective of like your dad sucks and we yeah. don't want you to end up like your dad. Yeah. So they go on to talk about how the dad is coming to stay with them. Right. And basically how tough he is. Right. And how he used to be, he played with his dad or the coach. Yeah. And, and his, his dad, I think the coach says like your dad could have been great. Right. But he, he could have been pro got into the wrong crowd and right. He had tattoos. I think yeah. he said, <laughs> so 
And clearly that's weighing on Hopper. Like he, right. he kind of even just tenses up. Right. And he knows that he's, he, I think he, he think he mentions he's an addict or something, or something about that. Like he yeah, definitely, it's like, hinted at. Right. At the least. reason he didn't go pros, he's an alcoholic. So he, the next scene, he goes to dinner with his girlfriend and we get some information and he's in, they're in a diner and oh, just the framing and cinematography is so good in this movie. Very well done. He, sits all the way in the back corner of the diner with his back against the wall. The Godfather seat. Yeah, and it's like a, an incredibly wide shot. We see the whole diner and he's so like many great wide shots. Barely in the frame. You can kind of barely see him in it. Yeah. And we can hear the conversation, but you're like searching for him. Like where the hell is he in this frame? Yeah, it's true. And they hold it for so long into this scene. It's just terrific. It's the phenomenal. editing in this movie also very good. 100%. Fantastic. It's interesting because this scene is all about um, it starts to plant the seed. I think they break up in this scene, right? Kind, Him and his girlfriend. Kind of, yeah. Essentially. And not officially, but. And he talks about that. He's like, do you even understand like what the pressure I'm under? Because yeah. I think you're about to say he was in this scene. We learned that he's the number three prospect in the country. Right. And the number one pitching prospect. And I think at this point, it, I realized that like this movie is like a, a parallel and opposite almost journey of the sugar. Mm, um, they're very, yeah. they're almost, they're really similar. There's almost, a lot of similarities. Where they're like, obviously, it's they a great completely one, different journeys. Yeah. But in terms of the theme of the weight of the pressure that these these humans are under, absolutely, is crushing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, just if people haven't seen or listened to our episode, Sugar is a little indie film about a Dominican player who comes to America to play in the minor leagues, trying to make a life for himself and get to the majors. Yes. Um, and there's a character in there who is similar to Hopper here. He's like a highly touted prospect. He's going to clearly be a star yeah. in the majors, and th- the path is kind of paved for him. But this shows the side of potentially that character's viewpoint of right. I'm the number one prospect, and I'm freaking out because there's so right. much pressure to deliver, and you know it's, it's different than it's coming still, in with no expectations. It's still difficult, yeah. Well, this is a great scene, too, because – well, so, okay, so what happens in the scene? We'll get to it, but yeah, basically he gets into an argument with his girlfriend about, you don't understand the pressure that I'm under, right? and her perspective is kind of like, well, you're not really special, like, you right. bought into this idea that you're special, right? because, you know, again, very, like, liberal intellectual of, you know, well, the capitalist structure says that we should put money towards sports athletes first why does why are you inherently better at anything than anybody else? you know it's, yeah. it's just kind of saying like it's very materialistic yes your value system and i don't think that that makes a person special versus just being a good person right and that kind of introduces this whole theme of who is special and who is not and that's i think a, a running theme throughout the whole movie of are you special because you can do this one thing or are you special if you're a good person right you know and present or is nobody special and maybe that's okay maybe you know like we're all equal we're all the same and it doesn't just because one guy can throw baseball 100 miles an hour that doesn't necessarily make him a a better person or a special special. it's just a title that we've we've decided exactly and and what's okay you know there's so much focus on you have to be special you have to be great versus the giamatti character is kind of like no you should just be a normal kid and yeah just you know, the, figure just out how to ball. exist in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just throw the ball. So anyway, all of that thematically gets introduced in the scene. Yes. And he and his girlfriend, it's not spoken, but he kind of is so on edge. I think about the father crumb and how he kind of picks on and attacks his girlfriend and they end up, she's like, I just want to go home and they kind of break up. Right. Un- unstated, but. Sad. Yeah. So then he goes home and 
This is the first scene where we meet Ethan Hawke as his sadistic father. It's so funny. Right before the scene, I wrote my notes, where is Ethan? And then like, as soon as I wrote that, he showed up yeah. and then I wrote, there he is. Oh. One of... <laughs> the movie comes alive at this point. It really does. Every scene that Ethan Hawke is in is just on fire. He's fucking magnetic, dude. Yeah. So he, he walks into his... Hopper walks into the house and he just hears... Uh, uh, has the arm. Right, yeah. And he just like freezes up and we see that the the dad is there. Yeah. And he's just like, his shirt is unbuttoned. He's got tons of tattoos. I love that they established that like he's this badass guy who has gotten tattoos. He's an alcoholic. <laughs> his shirt's unbuttoned. And the biggest, the tattoo that's the most visible is this <laughs> cartoon, like, like cartoon, yeah. cat smiley face. <laughs> Over like huge circle over his nipple, in which yeah. the nipple is the nose of the <laughs> smiley face. I, I I don't know, man. It worked, for which me. <laughs> really worked for this guy because you. Could, yeah. I think it really established. I don't. I don't think they were his real tattoos. Maybe they were. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But for me, it established <laughs> right away. Not. This guy doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. He'll use a nipple as a nose for a tattoo. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that. That's, that's why I was just like I couldn't take my eyes off it. <laughs> anyway. Well, so he comes in and he's just unrelenting in his bullying and his manipulation yeah. and his abuse from like every single line. Yeah. Like the next lines in the movie, the kid says, is mom home? And he says, why? You want to cry to her? Just like <sighs> he, just the first thing he says to and this the, kid. The movie had just, been building towards this scene, right? Yeah. Like every character that Hopper had been in a scene with yeah. had been hinting about how bad his dad was yeah. and how unrelenting and terrible and then it all builds to this and it just like you Delivers. get it instantly oh. everything that just, had that had been planted about his yeah. character was paying off it's just every in every sense of the word bullying and manipulating yeah. and abusive those yeah. are just the three words that i kept writing in my yeah. notes he yells at his son he makes fun of him um he says he wants to hear the son talk about how good he is he's like you think you're astonishing don't you say it i want you to hear uh, and, yeah and he's like and the no, way he's I like don't. he's, he's like, like pretending oh, to be nice about yeah, it yeah exactly. it's so manipulative uh, it's like you know i'm your best friend and then he brings him down and then he he's like well i'm just kidding you know it's yeah. that whole kind of thing it's just you you as an audience member are so on edge or when he's like i'm gonna go do homework he's like no 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 sit down you're gonna watch yeah, you don't have any homework you don't have any homework he's like no yeah. i gotta go do homework he's like no you go get me a fucking beer yeah, and you're gonna, you're gonna sit gonna your ass down. Yeah. Get up. Oh my god. Oh, terrible. And then drinks the beer. He says, "Yeah, he drinks the beer, yeah. and he says, you think you're phenomenal, don't you? Don't you?'" Yeah. And then he throws the beer, the can, point blank, probably like four feet away. Yeah, at his at his face, at his son's face, <laughs> at his son's face. Who, hits, d- it, who does not flinch that much, to be honest? You cuts, could tell, which is such a good moment because you could tell he's just fucking used to it. Yeah. Clearly, this has happened well, over and over and over he, again. If he puts up a fight, it's going to be much worse. Yeah. Yeah. So the oh, it's so hard to watch. It's man. really, it's very triggering for sure. This whole uh, so the can it hits him above the eye, cuts his eye. Yeah, I wrote in my notes. Damn, this movie is cold. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> and then his dad says basically like he was watching footage of a game and he yeah. saw his son smile smile on the mound. Yeah, and he's bullying his son. He's like asking rhetorical questions, you know, knowing that he's leading the conversation right. a certain way. But he says, "You broke the number one rule." What's the number one rule? Don't show emotion on the mound. So he says, you know, what do we do when you break the rules? And then we cut to outside. He's running uh, suicides. Right. And and sprints. And again, his dad is like 
posted up in the car yelling at him. And then that's that scene. That's Gary scene from the trailer. Yeah. He's like, don't make me chase after you. Don't make me chase and after you. And he fucking chases him. Yeah. Runs after him. And he's just, Ugh. you're just waiting for, for violence and tragedy yeah. around the corner with this character. In every scene. It's really And suddenly, filmmaking. like, his, Johnny Simmons character makes so much sense now. Yeah. Like, absolutely. every part he's, of his being just. Yeah. He's so, so makes timid sense. and, and yeah. reserved. His breakdown and suddenly makes sense. And, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's just so on edge knowing that at any moment this guy could come in and just yeah. blow everything up in his life. And the idea that without Ethan Hawke, would he be where he is now? Yeah, that's, that that like that's that whole introduced. question of that theme is like, oh, mm-hmm. it's so fucking terrible and oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 awful. Yeah. Well, so his mom comes home. Yes. And during Hopper, the sprints, during the sprints, Hopper immediate and Hopper's bleeding. Yes. Too, he's bleeding like onto his shirt from his eye. And he's sweaty and yeah. yeah. The mom comes home. Hopper immediately goes inside. The dad says, he's like, go inside. Don't yeah. talk to her. Blah, yeah, blah. yeah. And then you can tell it's just like abusive. And why did and, he come back? He's like back out of jail. Is that is that why he yeah, came back? They don't really explain it. Yeah, I don't remember. Because you get kind of get the vibe that that his it's just been Hopper and his mom for a while. For now. a while. And she and, yeah she says we got a good thing going here. Yeah. And and then I guess Hopper's back. I I, yeah. I, I think it's because he got out of jail. I, yeah, it's it's not clear, but it doesn't need to be. Because yeah, he's yeah. a tornado who just comes in. Because they're and they're trying to work it out, I guess. Yeah, and the dad immediately in character goes to the mom and he starts berating her right and then he's like you know pulling her close and and like oh you're gonna get some from daddy and then she's upset and he yells at her and it's just the whole same like tactics of manipulation and abuse and just straight onto the new target it's just it's really he's a really scary guy in this movie it's really effective filmmaking i just put it's just like i was just like i was clenched up and on edge watching this whole thing and again, the performances. Yeah, and and relentless because the next scene, the dad wakes him up, and it's Ugh, three, this is the beginning of the trailer. Yeah, it's three thirty in the morning, and yeah. his dad wakes him up to go running, and he's like, "What time is it?" And he's like, "Do you want to be good?" Yeah, do you want to be? Or great? do you want to be great? Do you want to be great? Yeah. I'm trying to teach you about greatness. Yeah, and then we just cut to him running. And he's driving alongside him in a the, car. The dad is driving alongside in the car, and he's <laughs> at yelling at presumably him. four in the morning. Yeah, and he says it's it's only you, me, and the ghosts of the legends up at this hour. Yeah, oh, God. And there's that other great line. He says, uh, "You, tw- fifteen years from now, you're going to be yeah. in a big grand hotel yeah. with three beautiful girls giving yeah. you a blowjob, and yeah. you're going to think, God, do I love my dad?'" Oh, and it's just. And he's just like head down, just oh, running. Terrible. Oh, it's so scary, man. And you could see in that moment, Ethan Hawke really, his character, like, clearly loves him. Like, then this is the way he shows his love. Because he's like, this is the only way I know my son can survive. And that I have got to make him tough, right? I guess so. And it's like, know, it's not a good version of love. But, like, that line to me really, like, saw into his mindset of, like, oh, you think what you're doing is good. Like, yeah. do you think this is how you should love your children? <laughs> it's terrible. It's really tough to watch. Clearly, and the clearly the cycle started with him. Like, clearly his dad abused him, you yeah, know? Totally. And that's just, the cycle keeps going. Yeah. So we, we, the next scene, Hopper is back pitching and the coach notices that he's tired. And also he says, oh, what happened to your head? Because he's got a right. bandage over his eye. And he kind of covers it. He's like, oh, nothing. Oh. He, he just covers, he just covers it up and, and brushes past it. Yeah. So then we go back to the present. Uh, he's working with Paul Giamatti, and they talk about the dad. They talk about the family, and basically, the two key points of this scene. 
because all these scenes are really long and really talky. Very talk, very play like. Yeah, and the but the important takeaways of this scene again, he's connecting with Paul Giamatti, yeah. who's the only kind of warmer the figure other in his father life. figure. Yeah, in this movie, and um, he's he's asking Hopper like why he lied about his apparently he lied about his father to the press, right? About what he does, yeah. And he's asking him why. And Hopper says, like, well, my family life is a secret. I don't want them to know. And yeah. I didn't lie, actually. And He was a fisherman at one point. Yeah. He, he tells the press that his dad was a fisherman. He's yeah. like, well, he fished for like six months. But in reality, he like sells drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and he also admits to Giamatti that he and his dad are alike. And he says, the, the key line, he says, we're both time bombs waiting to go off. Right. Which was a very interesting line because the whole movie I kept thinking, oh, Johnny Simmons is going to explode at some point. Because he just yeah. keeps internalizing this. And then they even they bring it up. He's like, yeah. Are you, yeah, I'm a time bomb. He's like, oh, do you want to explode? He's like, do you want me to explode? Well, there's a there's we won't give away what happens, but there's a threat of suicide yes. through this whole movie. Yes, especially um, with the Howard Glass. Yeah, the Howard Glass thing right up front. But even then, just um, I think other characters have throwaway lines of like, oh, why don't you kill yourself or whatever. But then he's with the dad and the dad's like, we're running suicides. That's what right, we're doing. Yeah, and you're true. just like, oh, fuck. fuck they, it fuck, keeps fuck. coming up. Yeah, they're going to, he's going to explode in some way or yeah. another. A time bomb waiting to go off. I don't know. I was like dreading that he was going to kill himself. I literally, end. I'm reading a note right here. I said, man, I really hope he doesn't kill himself. Yeah, the whole movie. Really well done on the part of the director to Very well writer to, to lay that in. Seats. So we go back to the past. The dad, he's pitching in a game for high school. This is actually the only game that we see him actually pitching in. Yeah. I think we see there's like three shots. Beginning, I guess. There's one shot at the beginning. Yeah. And then there's later on kind of one shot, but he's not pitching. He's just kind of standing on the mound. Right. But this is the only one. And we see the dad, the the, the parents, both of them. Both in the stands. Come into the stands. And again, the dad is just super aggressive. The right. mom's like, oh, he looks tired. And he's like, he doesn't look tired. He looks lazy. Oh, he's God. yelling from the stands like, challenge this guy. Yeah. You know, and then from this point forward, this sequence is incredible. Yeah, so it, one it, of the craziest things I've seen in a baseball movie. Yeah, it's really cool. It becomes there's almost like an abstract experimental approach. Even, like even before the abstractness, there's that shot. So it starts with the, the cameras like on a steady cam behind the catcher. Yeah, and like he's throwing pitches and he stops and like the steady cam slowly walks towards the mound, which is an angle I hadn't seen before in a baseball movie. Yeah, it was really cool. And as it does that, and then a, um, I guess overlay comes in. I think I wrote a description about to it. Um, block out all the screen except for a very small circle in the center, which is where we see. Well, during that, Hopper. you're hearing Ethan Hawke screaming, right? The yeah. camera's pushing forward, and then you also hear like a a, a siren, a police siren, and yeah. that's getting steadily louder as you get steadily closer to to Hopper. Yeah, the rest of the sound kind of blots right. out, right? And then it's, it's just the siren, and then it just yeah. turns red. All the it all, all the goes lights red. go out, and it's just. <laughs> Hopper alone lit by this red light. Yeah. It's almost like it reminded me of, um, I mean, it's been, in, this technique has been in lots of things, but in old Hitchcock movies, when sure, they're like yeah. staring through the keyhole mm -hmm. and he's got the outline of the keyhole. Yeah, that max matte box the kind mat, of thing. Yeah, yeah. The, the mat, exactly. Because yeah, it's all red and then it all goes black except for a black a circle small, around Hopper. Yeah, so, so everything is matted out except for his very narrow kind of tunnel vision. Yes. And it's in flashing red, and there's sirens, and it's just him perceiving the game. Right, and it's the siren, and then it switches to, like, opera ballet music. Yeah, which and is, I think this is the only 
one of the only uses of music in the movie. Probably. There's very yeah, little music right, yeah. in the whole movie. And then he throws a pitch. So it's like his focus is baseball. Yeah. But then kind of randomly it switches to the to the, the stands where we see the dad is being let out by the police still in this map box circle still the red this, like red yeah and he's like oh God, fucking yeah he's like oh, fucking police blah, blah, blah. And he's getting arrested yeah and so the intention i took was like like his focus is now solely on his dad yeah being arrested yeah they there's a there's a line in here i think it was in the movie itself i was looking up about like pitcher concentration I think yeah. this is from the movie itself, though. They said um, Sandy Koufax said that when he couldn't concentrate, he saw the crowd. Yes, that is. And when movie. he was locked in, he didn't see the crowd at all. Right. And so that was kind of this is is, this is what's doing that, exactly. and not not right, only yeah. the crowd, but it's his the it's root his of yeah, all yeah. of his problems. All is his now is his focus again. Yeah. So the dad is let off, and then the coach comes out. It's and, still in that map box. Yeah. Well, the map box lightens up right the coach this. walks towards him in that circle yeah and, and then, then it's slowly and, and it's another pov shot and the coach gives him this speech of just like he checks in with him but the coach gives him the speech of just like where's your head right now yeah. and he's like my head's in the game and he's like just focus on the hitter like you can't control this other stuff what you can't focus on is the guy just get the guy out we'll focus on everything else after the game yeah and to me this was so cold of just like the coach is not even like, hey, so, you know, the coach is not offering any warmth or comfort either. The coach yeah. is just like, focus on the game. Don't what lose What's he supposed it. to say? I, I don't know, but sorry. Sorry your dad got arrested? Yeah. Focus on the game? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you want me to take you out because your fucking dad got yeah, arrested? No, stay in the game. It's just like there's no release yeah. or relief at all from any of these other characters except for Paul Giamatti. It's, I don't know, every scene was just like a gut punch. Yeah. And again, oh, that scene is again from POV. Yeah. So totally. you really feel He's what it's like right in to his the shoes. Camera, yeah. the coach. Like literally right down the barrel. Oof, man. That whole sequence was incredible. It's great. <laughs> I really, really, really loved it. Yeah. I don't think I've seen such a surreal um, exploration in a baseball movie before. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Really. Well, there, there's different tricks that people use. Sure. In um, It made me think of, I mean, I like when people do this to try and, they use filmmaking tricks to try and get you in the mindset. Yeah, totally. The POV of the player. I love in um, uh, for love of the game when all the sound goes. He's like, clear the mechanism. And all I guess the sound that's goes true. Out. But like the idea, like the the fact that it switched to like ballet music and the tunnel yeah. vision and the red light and it, it was just so intense, almost like Lynchian in a yeah. way. You know? Yeah, well, that's a good really one. cool. So we cut back to he and Paul Giamatti. It's another one of their sessions, and he's talking about his dad, and he said basically his the number one rule is his dad said no emotions on the mound. And right. Giamatti says, well, what if you're not on the mound? And he says, that's this number two rule. You're always on the mound. <laughs> everyone yeah. everyone is the enemy except yeah. family. Yeah. And Giamatti's like, like well, what about me? Yeah, it makes it hard to open up to me. And he's yeah. like, yeah, it does. And I think that's that's a moment where he kind of realizes like, oh, I, I, oh, shit. I have no release yeah. from any of this intensity ever. Ugh. And yeah, oof. It's great. It's this is a really good movie, man. But, but yeah, oh, it is. Wow, really heavy. So we cut back again. Cut back to the past. He's in the minors now. It's so, oh wait, sorry. When he said no emotion on the mound, and again, you're gonna hate me because I'm dating this podcast. <laughs> All I kept thinking about <laughs> These was podcasts are timeless. Paul. It's true. Was uh, Felix the other day, uh, the king? Oh yeah. King so the other Felix day Hernandez. he took his last uh, game in Seattle, and like, yeah, 
talk about no emotion on the mound. It was the opposite. He was just a font of overwhelming emotion as yeah. he just sobbed. Oh, like, that's all I could think about. Totally. Oh. Oh, so good. Man. Anyway. Yeah. It's a uh, bad rule is what I'm saying. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. Show emotion on the mound. Let the kids play. <laughs> Let the kids fucking play. <laughs> so we go back. He's in the minors now. And basically... There's a sort of a, I don't know, this kind of dragged for me. <laughs> it's like a, he's like on the mound and he sees like mm. a flock of geese flying, and it's just, oh yeah, that was another moment then, I guess where he, it's baseball. Like yeah, he's, he's it, in a game. It's technically in a game, but it's just him. And he's in a minor league game. This is the first time. Yeah. we're now getting more progression. So of, we're still in the past, right. leading up to the present conversations with Giamatti, but we're progressing. But I think forward. I think it was, it's still kind, it's present ish where. I think it was still after his breakdown, and they don't yeah. know what to do with him, so they've sent now they've sent him down to the minors. Oh yeah, I guess you're right because they interviewed him afterwards. Like, how that's do you true. like the minors? <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's true. But anyway, he he says like, oh, the, they're like, why'd you stare at the geese so long? And he's right. like, I don't know. It was peaceful. It was a moment of peace. Right. And there was that. There was the the reporter. There was that one moment where she expressed in a very Aaron Sorkin line of yeah. how hard it is to be a modern day sports yeah, journalist. Yeah. Well, so that was the thing. So she's she had this this sports journalist comes in for one scene, and she's she's throughout. But right. this is the only scene where she's doing anything other than like Hopper, tell us about the blah blah blah, like right. trying to grab questions. And she basically talks about how difficult her journey is also of, yes i gotta go from town to town i gotta follow you guys around and get the scoop and you know it's hard for me too it's a grind for me too you think i want to be here chasing you down for a quote and right it's actually she's complaining but it was kind of a nice moment of like oh you're going through the grind also right yeah it's, it was it was all in a weird way that was like one of the more human connections yeah i think so that he was able to form of like I'm going through this grind and it's fucking terrible. Yeah. Oh, you too. You're, you're in yeah. it also. And especially since the whole movie so far is established because there's a lot of exposition cleverly done, I will say, uh, through sports talk radio or, yeah. or the TV yeah. d- describing what's going on. But it's all so predatory, which it is nowadays. Yeah. Right? Um, but that, I really appreciated that moment because it is predatory, but she really described it like, as much as I am being predatory, like I'm a simp, I'm, I'm, uh, a victim almost as well like i i have to keep this monster going or else i don't yeah. have a job and like i'm not the one dictating all this and well she gives him a tip too she's like no you shouldn't have said that you should just end it with like the geese quote about the, geese the was piece good. Yeah, was right. really nice yeah you need more stuff like that yeah for yeah image and all that so it was a nice scene it was anyway moving on uh we get a we get a very quick scene where the bus has pulled over to refuel and he's talking to his coach about how he's a little bit lost. Yeah. And I kind of love this scene. It's one shot. Yeah. And again, it's just like it was hard. To, like the diner scene it was hard to figure out who yeah, was talking. He he's he's not in the shot for yeah. most of most of the shot. He's inside, and then only at the end he comes out, and you see him talking on the cell phone. He's talking to his coach about how he's kind of lost. His high school coach, right? But he's kind of lost. He doesn't know what to do. It's clearly like way late. Yeah, it's like two o'clock in the morning. He woke the coach up to call him, and at the end he's like, "Oh, sorry, I woke you up," and and all that. But at the end of the call, he's just like, "Where am I?" And yeah. he's just like at this rest stop in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. You have no idea where they are. Everyone's asleep, and it was just I don't know. That for me, it was like, oh, this is just for the impact of the filmmaking like this has nothing to do with the plot it's just yeah. visually i'm showing this character is fucking lost in the middle of the woods like he you has said no idea where he is in yeah. his life the visual language of this movie was great because oh, every fantastic. shot was clearly orchestrated in a way to to reveal something about the character yeah which hey that's good filmmaking yeah <laughs> 
pretty good. So the next scene, he's signing autographs for fans. Yeah, uh, a kid asks him how to show the curve, which ball. I think was probably the only time we really saw him like happy or like in a in a not in a, depressed, not <laughs> depressed, and like actually liking the game of baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so he shows this little kid how to throw or how to hold the his grip for the curveball. Right. And the kid's so supportive. He's like, my dad says you're going to be back. No problem. Yeah. And then his dad comes out of the stands. Oh, God damn it. And he's just like, oh, you're just giving away free advice yeah. to everybody. He just, again, relentless. Insane. Relentless. Just berating him. And it comes down. So obviously some time has passed. He's no longer yeah. in high school. He's now in the minors. Um, and the dad has gotten out of whatever jail sentence he was in i think it, and again it was a recent past because he's in the minors but it's it's still after he was sent down again yeah because the, the kid's like you're gonna come back we all we all believe in you yeah and he's i think he's in california for some reason anyway go on yeah i'm not sure but... it's not the past it's not like his journey to the majors this is after he's already had his breakdown right yeah 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 maybe they're traveling yeah with them in in the minor league system or something right I, and ethan hawks sure. in california because he got a he has a new job yeah this is the big one because <laughs> i'm gonna make me retire right he's got a new job drug smuggling he's drug he's drug running yeah. yeah but so he has this conversation with his dad and again his dad his dad oh we forgot to mention his dad my turn to do that another running joke oh mm-hmm. we forgot to Here mention yeah. yeah um his dad at the in the first scene his dad was like you're too skinny I got some yes. of these undetectable steroids. Oh, yeah, right away. Like, take, yeah, take the steroids. Take the steroids, bulk up. And so, again, in this one, he's like, I'm telling you, man, I, they're undetectable. Yeah. I got these anabolics. <laughs> like, he's he's pushing steroids on his kid. But what they a have, good dad. Yeah, they have this conversation, and the son is a little bit, he's still reserved, but he's a little bit more, kind of holds his ground, I think, against the dad. He's like, well, I got all these coaches now. Right. And he's like, you had the best coach in me. You know, I taught you everything. You don't need these guys. It's true. And they just, again, the visual language is so good. They have the dad sits and they've got the net, the net, between the foul them. ball net between uh, them. And it's just like, yeah, oh, just they're so separated. Yeah, it's really good. He needed that. You know, he needed the sun. Like, that's yeah. why the sun's able to stand his ground a little bit more. There's the what, fucking net. He right knows there. that he can't do anything. Yeah. Oh, geez. It's a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> he says to the sun, uh, you should be more like Bob Gibson or Roger Clemens. Dave Stewart. To, yeah, you need to be more ferocious. You're not even a paper tiger out there. It's oh so awful. God. Oh, it's so awful, man. It's so bad. Paper tiger. Jeez. Offers his son the steroids. The son leaves. Then we get a scene where he's at the hotel and Late he can't night, sleep. Right. Yeah, again, they're on the road. Uh, he sees a girl down at the pool. So he goes down. and they, feeling a little... Yeah. Frisky. They they flirt. It's kind of a nice scene. He tries to like lean against the pool railing and it breaks. Right. And she laughs. Yeah, and it's a nice connection. She's got again, very wide shot. Yeah. She reveals that she's got some father issues too. Her dad's a man child, she says, and lifted her out of the gutter, but he didn't really. It's just all just like a metaphor for him, you know, and where he is. Exactly. Then they go to the go back to his hotel room or her hotel room. I think I her guess. hotel room, yeah. Yeah. And they're making out. And this scene is crazy. And then it uh, takes a turn that was insanely Wild. unexpected, but like yeah. great. I really thought it was cool. Yeah, they're well, not they're, cool, but cool. <laughs> they're making out on the bed. Yeah, and it's actually really sweet and and well done. And then you hear a knock at the door, and he's like, and he freaks out. Someone, and she looks and she says, "Oh yeah, I am expecting. I someone. am sorry. I'm really sorry about this. I'm not a bad person." 
And then a guy comes in with a shotgun. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, and they just rob him. Yeah, he's, he's like... It was all a pre-arranged right, con Right, as soon job. as you found out that he was a professional baseball player. Yeah, or I mean, maybe and they who knew knows? That the team was there, but... Yeah, she got lucky. Yeah. And then she's like, lay face down on the bed. Yeah. If you breathe, he's gonna yeah, fucking he's kill you. gonna kill you. And they take all of his jewelry, they take right. his wallet and all of his money and they're and then they're leaving and they're like you know don't fucking move and blah blah and it just oh that one when she says she gets real close she's like are you breathing yeah she's like don't even breathe if you even breathe that yeah and he's like no and she's like you can breathe a little bit oh just all the same tactics yeah some terrible manipulation Uh, yeah direct direct it was a cool metaphor you know yeah um, and this fucking poor guy oh man all you can't, want can't get a break can't, every scene is just that's what i'm saying every scene is just laying into this kid yeah. oh man he's on the bus he's all alone everyone else is asleep then he goes to see it's like sugar yeah everyone be a go, good double feature it really would or depressing i mean it'd be terrible <laughs> but everyone goes see sugar sugar is also very well done yeah so the next scene he goes to see his girlfriend his ex-girlfriend from high school it was the only place, her and the mom are the only places where he's found some kind of light in this really dark world. Yeah. And he's trying, he's saying like, I wish I was able to open up to you in a way that I, you know, wasn't right. before. And he wants to get back together, but it's not the right time. And there, he says he's confused and he's sorry. And she's like, you need to open up to me. And it just, they kind of reconnect. Yeah. Even though, even though she says like, she again theme. She says, "You know, we're all aliens, and we should just stop trying to be this commercially conditioned, brainwashed version of yourself." Right. Like everybody is weird and different. Yeah. And that's okay. And, yeah. Um, she's kind of the voice of reason. In the yeah. Movie. And Her so she she says, "Like you need to open up, and you need to talk to me right, more." Yeah. And Tell he's me like, what's going I, "I'm trying. I'm not good at that, and all that." And I think we understand him a lot more. At this point, mm-hmm. having seen everything he's gone through, it's like, oh yeah, that would all be horrible to talk about, you know, or difficult to talk about. I guess I, I get it. But she says at the end of this conversation, she says, "I am still in love with you, so whenever you are ready to talk, like let me know." And I'm right. Here. So, so that's nice. Rekindling. You know, yeah, that that there's still something there. I wrote down here. I don't think there's any music in here. <laughs> it's been like yeah, just the ballet. Yeah, nothing. There was music, and I think it. There was one in that shot you talked about at the beginning when he gets in the car with the Timmy Ol thing. Oh, there was music yeah. there, but I think it. I think they kind of established that that's what he's listening to in the car. Yeah, there's diegetic like hip hop kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's back with the therapist. Yep. Uh, they're out on a baseball field, yes. like a like a, a high school field, yeah, or just something. like a yeah park, yeah, almost. a park field. Yeah. yeah, it's just the two of them. He wants him to throw a strike, and he can't do it. Nope. So Giamatti says, "What's the most fun you've ever had playing baseball?" And he thinks back and he says when he was five or six, right. first time he pitched, and Jemai's like, why? And he's like, nobody expected anything of me. I just <gasps> so sad. did it and it was fun. It was the only time. So Giamatti tries to get him back there. He's like. Close your eyes. Yeah. He says like, oh, you're going to have to hypnotize me. And Jemai's like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, just close your eyes. Just think about where you were. Feel the gravel under your feet. Smell the parking lot. Right. Feel the ball in your hand. And, you know. And all that. Then they have this again, this beautiful shot. It's the uh, clouds come in, yeah. and they aim the camera directly to the sky, and they let raindrops fall on the camera. That was cool. Yeah, and so you get these kind of abstract blotches of water 
on the lens, like like breaking the fourth wall, yeah, in a way. But boy, it's just really effective. It's really poignant, of yeah. Bringing it back to like trying to cloud out the present and and mm-hmm. get that mindset of the past. I don't know, it was really almost effective. like cl- cleansing, almost. Like yeah, exactly. Trying to clear all that bullshit out. It's dark and foggy, but it's, it's but it's rain has this yeah. like yeah renewal effect almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what they were trying to do. So a lot of great metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little on the nose. A little bit, but, <laughs> but good. I, fuck it, I liked it. He goes back to his hotel. It's now raining. Yes. <laughs> he goes back to his hotel and his agent is there. Well, he goes back to his hotel and the press is just everywhere. Yeah. And they're like, are you good? Oh, because. The da- yeah, the dad's gotten arrested. The dad's just gotten arrested. Yeah. What, well, do you have any comment on your dad? He's a yeah. drug runner. He got arrested for drugs. Blah, blah, and blah, blah. just beelines into the hotel and his this guy comes out of nowhere <laughs> wearing like a magician's not yet, like top a, hat. Mr. Monopoly cape. comes out yeah. of nowhere. And he's like, he's not going to answer any questions tonight. And, like, and you're like, what the in. fuck? Yeah, what the hell is this? <laughs> we learn in the next scene that's his agent and he was right. at a costume party. Yes. Which, he said he was dressed as... I, I have no idea what that added to the movie. I don't I know like why. Metaphorically, it's like another... It's another father figure, right? Yeah, but... Um, no, I know. I like the agent. Yeah, but why he's but wearing that? Why suit. is he dressed as a magician? He said he was <laughs> goofy. But did was he dressed as a magician? He said he was dressed as. He said he was dressed as some like famous like fancy guy, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Didn't work why. for me. <laughs> I appreciate it for movie. like being like, what the fuck? I do. I, I, you know, I, 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 don't know, I found it distracting. It was, was kind of weird. It just took me out. I was like, oh, yeah. what? Why? But anyway, he has dinner with his agent. I think it's just on the nose of like. He's. It's a metaphor for like his, uh, the amount of pressure he's under to be super rich and famous. Oh uh, yeah. And his agent represents all that, and I on the nose right. of like, yeah, I look how fancy right. this fucking guy is. Actually, the agent's character's name is Scott Borowitz. <laughs> <laughs> Very thinly veiled. Pretty close. Uh, Scott Boris. There. I wonder who it could be. <laughs> um, but he has this. His his agent is like, why are you in this flea bag hotel? And he's like, I wanted to be here. I want right. to be out of the spotlight. I'm just right. working on my thing. And they have dinner. They they talk about like a plan for like controlling the narrative for his dad's yeah. arrest. Yeah, and it doesn't affect any of the endorsements right. and all that stuff. So then they have dinner, and in the dinner he reveals that uh, Paul Giamatti's character was like a super hotshot young sports psychologist. Like he was a star. Cover of Time magazine. Yeah, when he was 20 years old and and all of that. So again, bringing that thematic reflection of he was a a phenom in his field. Right, yeah, it's true. And then he worked with Howard Glass and couldn't save Howard Glass. And Johnny's like, wait, what? Yeah, Hopper's like, he told me he didn't work with Glass. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. They say these things. Which, to be fair to Giamatti, he never said he didn't work. Right, he's just like, he was like, did you work with him? He's like, kind of not really. Yeah. Like, he he, he brushed past it. Yes. Not wanting to make a big deal out of it. Um, He didn't tell the truth, but he didn't necessarily lie. (laughs) Right, yeah. And also, you know why oh, yeah. he does it. Of course. You know, because he, he's trying to disassociate. Of course, yeah. But, he's trying know, to move on. Yeah. Well, he he want, he doesn't want Hopper to right, focus that's a, on right, it. Right, yeah, totally. Yeah. Also true. A lot of layers. Yeah. Also, to hit more on the nose of like the fancy life, the Scott Boris character is like, okay, I'm going to order dinner from the Four Seasons. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. it cuts. And they have this like... <laughs> like three lobsters a, Yeah, they're, they're both eating lobsters. It's like candle. They have candles now in this hotel room. Yeah. And he's still in this like tuxedo with a top hat. Yeah. Oh, um, I would love to be represented by Scott Boris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. I don't know what he could do. Sure. He could uh, be manage the podcast or something. But. There we go. <laughs> if anyone knows Scott Boras, he could book us guests. Yeah. <laughs> get us lobster. Buy us lobster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So then we get, I think, the best scene in the movie. The Goodwill um, hunting scene? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's back with Giamatti and he's again attacking Giamatti. Yes. And he's like, you're fucking full of shit. He's always, any scene too, he's always sitting on something weird. In, <laughs> in the ther- I feel like that's such a movie trope where if it's a therapy session, the, 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 the patient's always like in a corner yeah. or sitting on the So he's on like, the on, there's like a shelf and he's, yeah, like he's sitting on, on the, the shelf, shelf and. He basically calls Giamatti out for lying. He's like, yes. you're full of shit. You didn't fucking... You didn't tell me the truth. Which is another movie trope of totally. therapy sessions where totally. it's like, you're going to tell me how to live my life, but you yeah. don't even know how to live you're your a fucking mess life. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so he calls him out for all these all these things. Right. He's uh, like, I looked you up. Yeah, yeah. and You're an alcoholic. Yeah. And so he's like, why did your life, wife leave you? And he's like, oh, I was always working. And he's like, that's a fucking lie. Yeah. You were drunk and got disorderly conduct. Blah, and, blah, blah. But yeah, you drove your wife away. And he's like, yeah, I fucking did. But I'm still trying to help you. Trying to help you. And yeah. Howard and, was, that was the worst yeah. thing in my life. <laughs> yeah. And and all, the, the point is, he's like, all of this made me realize, you know, don't take for granted. You, you your everyday life and, right. and living and and the end that that he's forgiven himself to the point where he knows that he didn't he's not responsible yeah. for howard's death he did everything he could but ultimately it was still howard's decision yeah to take his own life and uh so or at least that's how he copes with it yeah and hopper talks about like they made the wrong choice with me just like they made the wrong choice with hopper of right anybody would want this gift of being able to throw a baseball 100 miles per hour but I'm just a fucking normal kid. Right. And Giamatti's like, yeah, you are. And yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Okay. And that's yeah. great. You know, and, and he and finally lets it out. And yeah, he starts, starts to cry. Yeah, Hopper starts to cry. I yeah, it, it's really touching. Because at that point, that, he had not really shown any emotion like that. Well, he's always on the mound. Exactly. No emotion. And he started to mound. break. And he finally, and he admits, you know, I, I maybe. It was the I, Good Bull hunting moment. Maybe I don't love this. Right. Just in itself, maybe it's, it's you know, I, well, maybe I'm here because my dad told me exactly one of the in their conversation earlier. He's like, "What do you love about baseball?" And it's like, "I don't know. I've just always done it." Right. My dad told me if I love it, I'll be the best. Right. So I just decided to love it. And he's like, "Do you just decide to love things?" And yeah. So all of that. And then he's out. and then he's like, "Can I lay on the couch?" Yeah, and he just goes in total fetal position. Oh, it's on so the couch. sad. And, and he cov- Paul Giamatti covers him with a blanket. Yeah. It's really nice. Really nice. That was the good home. It was essentially, that was the Goodwill hunting hug was yeah. the blanket. It's not your fault, Paul. Exactly. It's not your fault. Um, <laughs> so then the last scene in the movie, his dad's in prison. Yes. In LA. And they're going to LA for the next the games. Yeah. I mean, it's the Braves and the Dodgers in the postseason. So clearly... This is a very good, accurate movie. It's pretty accurate. Based on real life. But that happened that last year, right? It's too bad that the uh, Braves this year. I don't know. We're fucking. Paul's already dated this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's just too late, buddy. Go <laughs> ahead. Go for it. Game one of the National League Division Series is tonight. We'll Against see what the happens. Nationals. Yep. Honestly, like I think the Braves are a dark horse. They, their rosters and yeah, they're ridiculous. Really good, yeah, but too bad that they're their top. Their top four hitters in that lineup are insane. Um, who are the Giants playing? I don't remember. They're watching Bochi's retirement ceremony on loop. <laughs> uh, hey, we won the Bay Bridge Series trophy. Okay. That's good enough. That's all we got. There you go. That's all we got this year. Is it basketball season yet? I know. 
so he visits his dad in prison in because they're in LA. Yes. And uh, his dad, amongst other things, starts. He says, like, oh, why are you even here? And he says, well, my mental coach said that I should come and it would be good. He's like, mental coach? Yeah, he kind of makes fun of him for having a mental coach. He and brings, again, the barrier. There's even more of a barrier now because yeah. he's behind glass. Mm-hmm. He brings up that he's been talking to Dorothy, who's the high school girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he really loves her. Right? Yeah. He, he's talking to her and he's opening up. And right. They're trying to make it work. And the dad says, you know how to do that? Love somebody? Mm. He just continues to berate him. Mm. Says, but it's like, also like a mirror to his, yeah, to his totally. insecurity. He says, you let her wear the pants? And he says, yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah. You know, he's finally like kind of calling his dad on all the bullshit right. and not just bending to it. Especially now that his dad's literally in jail. Yeah. And so his dad again asks him, like, what are you doing here? And this is where the dad finally starts to break down and we yeah. see the, the humanity. Oh, shit, and he's like, I taught you everything I know. Why are you here before yeah. the big game? Your old man isn't worth a damn. Like, you're here with your piece of shit dad. Yeah. Why? Like, what's, why are you here? Yeah. And then it ends. Yeah. It's, it's like no country for old men. It just ends. It's right on Ethan Hawke's face. Why are you here? And he's like crying. He, yeah. he starts to cry and I kept, I fucking yeah. cried. Yeah. Um, and then, it, yeah. It, it ends on the question. There's no answer, but the son, he's there. Right. He's you like, know, why so. are you here? And like, I, I'm, yeah. Basically yeah. a mirror of Ethan Hawke in jail to himself. Like, I'm yeah. terrible. Well, it's almost the, an apology, kind of. Like yeah, a really as shitty much apology. As he's able to, exactly. to do it. It's it's a mirror of the movie because he's yeah. not forgiving his dad, but he's confronting him and standing up to him. Totally. And it, you know, family is complicated. He's not mm-hmm. rejecting family, but clearly and it's the probably dad's what, in prison and it's probably what he needs. Yeah. Needed. And he's probably gonna pitch fine now yeah he's a reliever now in the big game they mentioned oh that. that's right yeah he's yeah. a reliever yeah yeah but the dad doesn't even the dad like almost makes fun of him he's like oh you're a reliever yeah. and then doesn't right. go down that path for the first time fucking jail yeah and that's it it just ends man wow it's yeah <laughs> that's the phenom i think i wrote like what a bold ending yeah well let's talk about it paul what did you think of this movie i thought it was great yeah i, th- I really really enjoyed it i think um there are mo- what did I write in uh hold on I wrote um when this movie takes big swings most of them land and for a baseball movie that is essentially like an anti field of dreams yeah really um it's really refreshing to see uh I think there are moments dialogue wise just little moments where I cringe a little bit like just moment like I think a lot of the girlfriend's lines where she's like kind of going on this like indie diatribe of like we're like when you mentioned we're aliens and all that there were moments where i was like this is kind of self-indulgent a little bit but i think that i only noticed those lines because on the whole the dialogue is very good and very natural and realistic Mm -hmm. so there's moments where i was like kind of taken out of it from the self-indulgentness of it but overall i think it's a testament to how good the rest of the movie is yeah i wrote it's not Hollywood, not Spielberg. No. <laughs> a lot like <no>. Sugar. <laughs> yeah, very much so. It's like totally anti, like you said, Field of Dreams. It's yeah. anti-sentimental. Yeah. It's not sentimental at all. It's not warm in any sense. It's a very cold movie. It's kind of the it's, same ending to Field of Dreams, though, if you think about it. <laughs> oh, boy. Like the catch, them playing catch is kind of them uh, talking in prison. Sure. It's like the field. It's like the anti-field dreams version of that. You know what I mean? So. Anyway, we've talked about it a bunch, but I just want to say it again. The visual language of this film is phenomenal. 
Yes. It absolutely is. There are so many shots that, where the framing is just so sophisticated. He's so far away, you can't even see him. Most of these shots, I kind of picked up on it like maybe 10 minutes in and yeah. then was looking for it. Almost, I would say like half of his shots, he's also in the center of the frame. Yeah. And a lot of symmetry in this movie. Yeah. He's, he's very rarely, you know, um, framed in, in one of the thirds, which is kind of the normal approach for, sure. at least if you're filming like a back and forth or something, he's always in the center yeah. and it just reinforces like there's so the much pressure. pressure on him. Oh there's so much that, that he, scout he's shot. The, Remember that shot with the radar guns? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So Everyone around him is watching and he's just at the center of all of this pressure and he just, there's nowhere for him to hide. Yeah. There's nowhere for him to take comfort. He's so fragile and just the visual language, that shot with the gun Ugh. and the advertisement like we talked about. Oh boy, the, the netting between them. Just There's a scene where, we didn't talk about it, but there's a scene early in the film after the scene with the high school teacher yeah. where he's just walking through the hallway and he I, he's walking through the hallway and everything is blurred around him and he's just kind of got his hood on and, and keeping his head down. And it's it's actually very similar to a shot in Sugar where he's just kind of, it's just yeah, following totally. him through mm -hmm. this sort of swath of America, I guess. But I was wondering like, why is this here? Why is this shot in the movie? I What is this adding to it? And then he passes by a kid who's wearing a Mike Trout jersey. I wrote that. I wrote Trout. Yeah, and I was just like, holy shit. Very well done. It's just... It so perfectly conveys, you know, what is going on in his world. Yeah. For people who don't know, which is a little crazy, this is on you guys, but if you don't know, Mike Trout is basically the best player in baseball. Yep. Probably going to end up being... It's the Willie Mays of our generation. Yeah, like one of the best who's ever played the game by by the end of his career. Yeah. Uh, just signed the biggest contract, certainly in all of baseball, maybe all of sports. I'm not sure. It's, it's big. Um, earlier this year in 2019... Just uh, phenomenal. He signed player. a contract to never win the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Angels fans. Sorry, Kate. He signed a contract to every year watch the World Series from his giant penthouse. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, again, just amazing framing and camera work and yeah. cinematography, just the visual language of so many visual metaphors, like that one of walking past the trout sign, you know, framing up with the gun. Just unbelievably well done like noticeably well done for like a little indie movie that's like yeah. it's in high schools and some baseball stadiums and in in people's houses and stuff it's not a it shouldn't be i guess a very exciting it's not a marvel movie you know no. it's not spider-man swinging through the city and right. fighting bad guys and stuff but there's so much attention to detail and subtleties that totally. really make it very rich and textured. like we said it, every shot really lets you into the mindset of the character yeah and i think the script I, I don't remember who wrote the script. I think he I did. Think, I think he did I also. I think wrote it. But there are wonderful subtleties in the script too. Again, the running parallel with the Howard Glass character right. and just the suicide Ugh. keep getting mentioned and you just, you know, uh, even like him running suicide, the dad making him run that specific mm -hmm. exercise, you're just like, he's going to fucking kill himself at the end of yeah. this. I'm so nervous about that so the glad whole he time. Yeah. And there's like, what a beautiful release of pressure. Totally at the end but i was so on the edge of my seat the whole time yeah again it's really hard to watch it's really a nerve-wracking it was film for being kind of a small character study yeah i guess oh yeah totally i got a couple quotes from the director if you Ooh, want to hear i would love to hear these quotes uh the first quote is about ethan hawk's character mm. he's so 
scary. Dude, he's movie. so fucking good. It's a wonderful performance. And um, it's so good. Sorry to hijack your second No, it's here, fine. It's so good. It's so perfect that it's Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's such. Uh, well, again, he's been, so notable for good dad roles. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's such a warm actor yeah. oh, he's in everything best. else. Yeah, it's true. He's, he has like a Tom Hanksian. Yeah. Like you see him in a movie and you're like, well, I can trust that guy. 100%. Like, he's, 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 I found he's, myself wanting to trust him. Yeah. Like yeah. he's, he's played, obviously, he's played flawed characters, but mm-hmm. there's a decency to him yes. just as an actor and as a person. Yes. And he shows up and you're like, ah, oh, that uh, guy's not a bad guy. Yeah. And this. Spits it, it, in the it, face of that. Yeah, it it they utilize that in a way of knowing you're going to come to this wanting to like this guy, wanting yeah. to trust him because we have for you know 20 years. Yeah, with all these magnificent performances true, yeah. that he's given, and you're bringing that. I like Ethan Hawke. You're bringing that to the movie, and then when he's the fucking Satan, it, it's so scary and so disarming. Yeah. And, and Again, even after that first scene, which is so striking, or I guess it's two scenes back to back, but after those first two scenes, even the next time you're like, well, it's going to let up, right? Like he's he's still Ethan Hawke, right? Yeah. Nah. Absolutely not until the last, the last two shot. lines in yeah. the movie. You finally oh, see that humanity. It's a phenomenal performance. It really should have. Yeah. I get why. Yeah, I think so too. It. it I get every, why every it's a small little indie movie. should. I know he's. I think he's a great actor. Um, I always forget too. I'm always like, is so Ethan Hawke? I think he's one of my favorite actors. He's kind of go- he's like goofy and he's Ethan Hawke no, always. He's phenomenal. But he's no, he's but every movie I'm just so yeah. sucked in. I don't know. I think he's a great actor. So natural. Um, quote: I did a workshop with a brilliant Zen teacher named Barbara Hira. She said, I want you to picture a judge inside of your mind. I want you to picture the person inside of you that's always second guessing you, that's always telling you that you're not good. It's always beating you up. And the person that I pictured looked a lot like Ethan Hawke's character. It was some dude with a flat top, smoking cigarettes and drinking beer, all tatted up, sitting on the couch when I got home, telling me I wasn't all that great. People say it's a father-son movie, but to me, it's not. Ethan is playing the judge inside of Hopper. What that internal judge is being... When that internal judge is being really harsh to us, I don't mean to get too abstract, but the judge can sometimes appear in our life physically. But it is coming from the internal mind state, and that's... And it's just externalized. For me, it's not about a father and a son. It's about the judge. Wow. Isn't that fun? Or not fun, but cool quote. <laughs> Barrel of laughs. So fun. <laughs> well, he, I guess, I guess Ethan Hawke saw, I guess, a short film or maybe his first feature. Yeah, he's seen other movies and, he did. And really liked it. And they had struck up a friendship. Uh, that was around 2007. So this is crazy. 10 years later. It's been building. But they like kept in touch. And then clearly they had a good rapport and, and yeah. you know, a relationship that brought this great performance out so of good. him in this and character. Honestly, everyone in the movie is good. They John are. Simmons is great. Yeah. Paul Giamatti, obviously knocked it out of the park. Yeah. yeah. It, they're not, they're all, I mean, except for Ethan Hawke, they're not showy roles. No. Yeah. But Giamatti has to be sympathetic and understanding mm-hmm. and establish trust to a character who's so fragile and, right. and all that. And um, I think, I think Ethan Hawke's uh, his performance, but his character is sort of, the sun that the whole movie kind of uh, orbits around. Totally. I felt like I was trying to figure out Johnny Simmons's character, mm. Hopper, until Ethan Hawke showed up. And then it's like, yeah, then I know exactly was, who totally. this guy is and right. why. And yeah, it really, which I think was intentional. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. But his sensitivity and how timid he is. Right. And, you know, one of the reviews that I read said something is um, absent from this movie and that's teammates. And because we mm-hmm. don't have teammates to kind of 
establish the banter and establish, oh, well, he's the picture. It's a very anti-baseball movie thing to do. Yeah, totally. And he's so on his own, which is another thing that Sugar does very well of isolation. how isolated you are. Yeah, right. exactly. Well, the, um, yeah, the, the Sugar does a great job of showing characters that he befriends and then, boom, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah, yeah. For Either because they went up or they went down. Right. There's a great line in Sugar. <laughs> it's just an ad for the Sugar. Coach. But yeah, yeah, there's a great line in Sugar of like, until you make it, everybody above you is trying to keep you down and yeah. everybody below you is trying to take your spot. It's crazy. And you're just like, the well, pressure. This, yeah, you we have this idea of baseball as a team sport. Yeah. And then the, something like you, the, the competition comes back and you remember like, Oh right. fuck. Yeah. These guys are all on their own. The, the compartmentalizing that you have to do of, I'm going to bomb on my teammates while yeah. also thinking of them as kind of enemies yeah, in a the, weird way. It's the most individual team sport. It's crazy. It really like in the movies have these two movies, I guess have illustrated that point, right. but, which is why it's know, uh, probably the most American sport to be honest. Yeah, totally. It really is. I mean, we don't, you think about individual players, yeah, more you know i i'd I'd argue more often than not you probably think of your favorite players than your favorite team as a whole i growing up i loved Derek jeter i love paul o'neill i love mariano rivera Mm -hmm. i i can't name some of the other yankees players from some of those great teams i can't i i I, you know that's true tino martinez and we're also young and all that yeah yeah but i remember the core group of like my favorite players right of course versus that team was better than the 2009 team yeah. or the current team or, you know, whatever. So anyway, I love the movie. Yeah, it was really good. It was good. Everybody go check it out. That's the phenom. That's the phenom. You know what I think it's time for, Paul? What is it time for, Andrew? I think the impossible <gasps> has happened. <laughs> it's time for some inside baseball. Baseball inside the movie. So I'm going to go first. Okay, you go first. I want to talk about teenage phenoms. Okay. It's the title of the movie. No, that's, a, that's the first thing I thought of. It's a great like, segment. Who has a teenage phenoms? So uh, the trend in baseball is going younger. So Correct. More and more teams are looking at younger and younger players to invest in. Right. Because they're cheap. Yeah. Because Yeah. Well, partly because they're cheap and partly because they perform. They're more athletic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so many of the game's best players are certainly under 25, but... Uh, last year, we had Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna were both, I believe, 19 Dude, when they Acuna. debuted. Insane. Soto, again, we're dating this podcast, but Soto just hit that amazing... He hit the line drive that oh, yeah, drove in true. three runs in the wild card game. And it's true. Survived. They might. I don't know. When this airs, they might have won the World Series because of him. Because yeah, who he knows? got them there. Yeah. Probably not. Cause Hope not, so. The whole series. No, yeah. no, no. I think, they're, gonna, I think they're going out in the NLDS. We, they are the Nationals. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> We do have to remember that. <laughs> that was their first do or die postseason win ever. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, teenage phenoms. Once upon a time, teenage okay. ball players were counted on as a necessity when vast numbers of major league players were called into military service during World War II. Hmm, makes so sense. There was a like a like a surge of teenage players to replace. The major leagues continued. We talked about this in League of Their Own. The women's leagues came in, and they were humongous, obviously. But also, the mil- the major leagues did continue. They just lost a lot of their key players. Right. So all these teenagers came in. <laughs> the youngest ever professional baseball player. Oh, okay, me. Joe Nuxhall is his name. <laughs> <laughs> Say that one more time. Joe Nuxhall. Ah, oh, good baseball. Name. Really good. That's what I'm saying. Joe Nuxhall, like. Yo, Nux. Well, that's Joe is also call. a great baseball name. It is, but it's good because it's so simple yeah, that you true. can drop it. Nux Hall? Is that spelled K N U X H A L L? 
N-U-X. Oh, man, it's good. You know they called him Nux. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It writes itself. It's so good. <laughs> Guess how old he was. He's the youngest ever professional baseball player. This was during the World War II? Yep. When he made his debut. 16, I don't know. 15 years old. Wowzers. 10 months and 10 days. That's crazy. So he was less than 16. That's child labor. This is crazy. He originally signed with the Reds out of a semi-pro league that he had been playing in with his father. Apparently, the team came to the game to scout his father, but they were impressed with him, and they gave him a contract. Wow, that sucks for the dad. (laughs) (laughs) He earned his debut on June 10th, 1944. Uh, 15-year-old Nuxall became the youngest player ever to appear in a major league game. He still holds that record. Wow. Uh, He then... He pitched one game. He was a relief pitcher. Yeah. They then dropped him, and he wouldn't appear in a big league game again until 1952 when he was 23. So they like sent him back to develop because like sure he's yeah. 15 years old. Yeah, it's like the. I mean, it's June. It's you know. So I I don't know whatever. But the like what the seasons were. But the season ended. World War II is coming to an end. You know, players are coming home. All right. That. Um. Okay. Some of the all-time greats, also just from other sports, who debuted as teenagers. LeBron James, sure. Roger Federer, sure. Tiger Woods, yeah. Mike Tyson. I didn't realize. Really, how old was he? he uh, I Young. think he was eighteen or nineteen. He went <laughs> wow. twenty-three and zero. I don't know boxing at all, but that sounds impressive to That's me. Very good. <laughs> uh, Michael Phelps, Venus Williams, Wayne Gretzky—they all debuted as professionals as teenagers. Wowzers! Uh, some baseball phenoms. Then we're going to get to a top five. Okay, but, some uh, notable ones? Yeah, some notable ones who debuted. Not good enough to make your top five. Debuted as teenagers. I just had, there was less of, to talk about a story with them. It's okay. The others. Let's hear your almosts. Uh, Mickey Mantle debuted at 19 Mickey years Mantle old. Mickey Mantle isn't in your top five? Uh, uh, yeah, duh, that's correct. He's not. <laughs> well, wow, he was 19. Okay, that's so crazy. Well, so here's why. The determining factor. So these are notables because they went on to have great careers and debuted mm-hmm. as teenagers. Mm-hmm. But I put together the top five who were phenoms as teenagers. Right, 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 right. Like Hopper is in the movie. He's sure, sure. The number one prospect. He's going to be a huge star. You have to deliver person. right away. Exactly. Right. Uh, Mickey Mantle debuted at 19 years old. He played 96 games uh, and hit 13 home runs in his first season. Hey, Mickey. Pretty good. So hit 267. Hey, Mickey. You're his, so fine. <laughs> so funny, you blow my mind. Wow. Uh, I'm so sorry, everybody. This, but sorry about that joke. Mickey Mantle's first season ended with a knee injury mm. sustained in the World Series. Holy fuck. Joe DiMaggio called him off catching a fly ball in center field. Wow. Yeah. So Say it ain't so, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> just fight, you're just on fire today, man. <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> for these not jokes. <laughs> Joe DiMaggio. Where have you gone? Donation <laughs> turns its lonely eyes to okay. you. Okay. All right. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I just see it through. I'm so Cutting sorry. all of this. <laughs> Babe Ruth. Yeah. Debuted at 19 years old. Really? He pitched in four games. <laughs> he had a 391 ERA. It's so funny whenever you throw out Babe Ruth pitching stats. Yeah. He obviously went on to, you know, have a pretty good career. Be kind of good, yeah. If anybody can. He went on to make a candy bar. Search Babe Ruth, 19 years old. Is he like super skinny? Yeah. That's funny. He's like a skinny little kid. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Alex Rodriguez was kind of a phenom. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He debuted at 18 years old wow. in 1994. That's crazy. He only got to play for one month before the strike happened. Oh. The players were on strike. The World Series was canceled in 94. Right. He would spend the next two years 
bouncing back and forth between AAA and the team. And then it was really 96 that he becomes the Alex Rodriguez, delivers on the promise of Alex Rodriguez. Last one on our notables. Yeah. Honorable mentions. Mike Trout. Hey. Debuted at 19 years old. Yeah. Two months shy of his 20th birthday. Wow. And he is now. He's now Mike Trout. Arguably the greatest player of all time. I'm going to say uh, it. There's an argument. Yeah, no, it is arguably. Sure. He's certainly in the conversation. I wouldn't say that myself. Obviously, he's only halfway through his career. Right. But we, we're going to talk in 10 years' time. I, I mean, he's, yeah, I agree. We shall see. Just uh, hit 45 home runs this season. Yeah, I did. And Insane. was injured. <laughs> yeah, he probably could have hit probably way more than that. He's like finished like in the top two. MVP, like basically every year <laughs> since he was five years old. <laughs> Insane. Uh, but he does not crack the list. Okay. So here we Interesting. go. Top five. Is this in a particular order? Is this a not? No, no, no particular order. order. Okay. Uh, top five. I saved my favorite for last. Sure. <laughs> top five. A subjective order. Top five teenage phenoms. Okay. So we got to start with Bryce Harper. Sure. Because he's like the definition of of a teenage phenom. That's it, yeah. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16 with the title wow. The Chosen One. He's like the LeBron of baseball. Yeah. He he's like had this aura around him his whole career, yeah. which partly fuels there's a lot of backlash against Bryce Harper now. Oh yeah. He's very unpopular with like everyone else who's not <laughs> like a I don't left- really get the backlash to be honest. I, I there's that I clown think, bro thing, you know. I um, think I think the, a lot of the backlash comes from he was dubbed the chosen one. Right. I mean, he 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 was supposed to be like the savior prodigy of baseball. Right. His whole life, and kind of has you know he they people expected him his whole life to be Mike Trout, and then he hasn't been Mike Trout, and he has kind of an attitude. Right. So people are kind of like, oh, fuck you, fuck Bryce this Harper. Guy, yeah. yeah, like I don't his know. His hair I, is obnoxious. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I I I think he gets more flat. I think he's fine. Deserves. Yeah, he's fine. I think he's, he's really, I'm yeah, glad he's we fun. didn't spend it's fun to watch. $330 million. Me too. On Me too. Yeah. Um, he was drafted number one by the Nationals in 2010 mm-hmm. before he turned 18 years old. Wow. He was the National League Rookie of the Year when he was 19 and his 5.2 war, that is wins above replacement, it's a stat that kind of qualifies how a certain player does against every other player in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, his 5.2 war is the highest war by any teenage position player ever in the modern era. So Bryce Harper, wow, you, you were the definition of a teenage. Fan. Yeah. 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 Kind of hasn't delivered again on the promise. Great player. He's come close. It's not that he's not. Yeah. Not great. But... I think he's had two amazing seasons yeah. and then he's been pretty good the rest of the time. Uh, again, that you sounds know, like the his... pressure kind of. Yeah, totally. He, he to won the MVP once. Yeah. In what, 2015 or something. Yeah, probably. And he uh, is the namesake of this character. Hopper, yeah. Harper. There's no way it's not that. It has to be. Yeah. Uh, number two on our list, Bob Feller. Hmm. Bob Feller, famous pitcher. Uh, debuted at 17 years old. Wow. He didn't play a single inning of minor league baseball. He was signed and went straight to the majors. Wow. In 1936, he went five and three with 76 strikeouts in 62 innings, which is great. That's very good. Yeah. He led the league in strikeouts seven times in mm-hmm. his career. And Ted Williams said that he was the greatest pitcher that he ever faced. That's a hell of a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy, the one and only guy who finished over 400. Yeah. Uh, he ended up, he fought in World War II. So he had this amazing career, which was also 
not cut short, but truncated in a little bit. Right, in a way. yeah. And just all around, every sense of the word, a legendary pitcher. Um, he's on this list because he's considered to have the most successful pitching career during his teenage years. Right. Because he debuted so young. He was only 17. Yeah. So he had like two and a half seasons um, where he was a teenager still and just obviously is a phenomenal pitcher. Totally. Bob Feller, you did it. Nice job. You're on the list. Nice job. Well said. Nice job. (laughs) Number three, our Mm -hmm. list, Dwight Gooden. Hey. Dwight Gooden is crazy good. Oh, my God. Uh, He exploded onto the scene in 1984 at the age of 19. His first year, his rookie year, he went 17-9, and 260 ERA, led the league with 276 strikeouts. Jesus Christ. Only 218 innings. What? And his fastball was 98 miles per hour. What? I know. In the 80s? Yeah, 1984. Wow. He's a starting pitcher? Insane. Yeah. Wow. Insane. He's, a, he, he's like the best Met ever. I would I would vote for him over... Over Pete Alonso? <laughs> <laughs> over uh, Robinson Cano. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. More than Mike Pizza? <laughs> I, I have a sentimental spot for Mike Piazza. He was mm-hmm. my favorite player as a kid. But yeah. I It's... Him, Daryl Strawberry, and oh, Strawberry, sure. and uh, Tom Seaver are like the, sure. the only real Tom three Seaver. candidates in the conversation. I don't know. I think the highs of Dwight Gooden's career are just like unsurpassed. As a rookie, again, 19 years old, 276 strikeouts. It broke Herb Scores' rookie record. So it was a record at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the record is now. Uh, 11.4 strikeouts per nine innings was also a major league single season record for any any player. Wow. At the time, youngest youngest player in all-star game history to strike out the side during his appearance. Holy crap. Yeah, he was amazing. He won rookie of the year. He finished second in the Cy Young voting despite having better numbers almost across the board than the winner. Wow. I wonder uh, if there was like an age bias. So like, probably, oh, you can't get yeah, it in yeah, first year. Yeah. He went on to have an amazing career. His next year, 1985, he won the Cy Young. He led the league in wins, ERA, complete games, strikeouts, and innings pitched. Holy uh, crap. Yeah. Dwight. He was, he was just a magical pitcher. I don't know. There's no other way to put it. He was a, he was a magical pitcher. Uh, he won a World Series championship with the Mets and is, you know, in their, undisputedly in their top three. That's crazy. Mets ever. Oh, wowzers. Dwight Gooden. Way to go, Dwight. You did it. <laughs> he's good. So he's good. a good one. He's in, uh, he's in uh, do the right thing. He's, really? Uh, uh, well, he's not in to do their thing, but when Mookie is arguing with uh, Pino, mm, mm-hmm. he's like, who's the best pitcher of the game? Dwight Gooden. He's not, nah, man. Roger Clemens. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and forth. Yeah, so good. All right, number three? Number four? Four? No. no yeah. Number four. You've done two already. No. Bryce Harper, Bob Feller, Dwight Gooden. So isn't four. this number two, I guess? Oh, I was counting up. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're counting down? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Number two, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> two or four. <laughs> Does it matter? Yeah. In this undetermined, unranked list. Mm-hmm. Uh, player playing right now. Okay. Juan Soto. Wow. All right. He, again, we're recording this. More than a. <laughs> a way long time ahead. ago after it's premiering, yeah. probably. But uh, he just hit this amazing line drive yep. in the uh, National League wildcard game in 2019. Got the Nationals at least to the National League Division Series, least, where they yeah. probably went on to lose horribly. 
This is either going to. He's only saying that because they're playing the Dodgers. This is either going to age very well. Talk about pressure, huh? That's true. (laughs) Talk about pressure. The the amount of pressure the Dodgers are under. Uh, It's a lot. It's a lot. They're fine. They got this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Juan Soto. He's play. He plays for the Washington Nationals. Yeah. He debuted at 19 years old in 2018 with better numbers as a rookie than Bryce Harper had as a rookie. Yeah. Juan Soto hit 22 home runs. He had a 9.23 OPS. That's uh, on base percentage plus slugging percentage in his rookie year. That's the same home run total and 100 points higher on his OPS than Bryce Harper had as a rookie. And he did it in 103 fewer plate appearances. Wow. He didn't come up until like two right. months into the season. Right, right. And he took the fucking league by storm. Juan. Helped me win fantasy that year. <laughs> <laughs> The only reason he did Surprise not Surprise he's not your number one for that reason. He's amazing. He's he's really an amazing player. The yeah. only the only reason he didn't win rookie of the year is because he had the unlucky fortune to premiere at the same time as Ronald Acuna, who Is that gonna be your number one? No, because He's um, not gonna make your top five or notables? Oh yeah, he's a notable, I guess. He's okay. notable. But he's he was very notable. He is very notable. He was uh, he turned twenty last year, I think. Right. So he was like he had like two months as a teenager oh, okay so it's okay like not enough to <laughs> for my he very has the potential to be list. the next mike trout for sure so does Juan soto man all right all i'm right. just saying yeah he was just a hero in the national in the in the wildcard game i have that he's the only teenage rookie in baseball history to post at least a 900 or higher ops while logging at least 400 plate appearances wow uh he's he's gonna have an incredible career he really is He's uh, unfortunately. I wonder if he's always going to be compared to Ronald Acuna because they just are both you know, came up at the same time, right? It's possible. But yeah, man, he's a he's a beast. He's going to have right. a great career. Oh, I think I know who your number one's going to be. Here's my number one. Down down to number one. The number one teenage phenom. Teenage in baseball history. I'm assuming it's a Dodger. Mm, you would assume incorrect. Interesting. Okay. You chose poor. <laughs> All right, who is that? I don't want to guess anymore. <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, that's a good number one. First overall pick in 1987. He hit 16 home runs as a rookie. This is before steroids. This is before the juice ball. A couple months after he turned 20, like mm-hmm. a month after he turned 20, he and his dad. His dad was in the lineup too. He played on the same team as his dad. That's crazy. And they hit back-to-back home runs. No way. Did you not know that? I did not know that. This is the only time it's ever happened in baseball. He That's was, fucking he was twenty years old. Yeah. His dad was on the team, and they hit. They Ken Griffey Senior comes up, gets a home run. Did Ken Griffey cry? Jr. comes they must up, have cried. gets a home run. It's amazing. It's on YouTube. Everybody watch it. Everybody go, go watch it. Right after this, everybody go watch it. It's incredible. <laughs> he went on obviously to have one of the best careers right. in all of baseball history. He won an MVP. He made 13 all-star teams. He won 10 gold gloves. He hit 630 home runs. He played the game clean. He no made steroids. the home run derby cool. Yeah, he wore his cap backwards. So cool. Yeah, and more than all of this, more than all of his achievements yeah. to people of our generation, he is the single coolest motherfucker. He's the coolest. To ever walk the earth. No one's cooler than He's that. the coolest guy there is. Like, I just, his war is probably great, but like, yeah. if you can measure his amount he's of cool, cool it'd be very <laughs> Off high. the fucking yeah, charts. There's no one that has a he's the coolest better student. cool percentage. Yeah, I I don't know. My, my cousin is 10 years older than me, okay. and he has Michael Jordan. And I know that sure. they were playing around the same time, yeah. but there's something about... Being a little bit older, I think you appreciated Jordan in basketball. Yeah, definitely. And his career 
obviously bled or it was earlier. Like they mm-hmm. both kind of peaked around the same time yeah, in the mid-90s, yeah, yeah. but uh, Griffey Jr. bled, his career bled into the later years and Michael Jordan bled into those earlier years. So my cousin is Michael Jordan. Me, man, it's Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, fucking. He's amazing. N64 video games. Oh my hat God. backwards. So it's cool. just like, who's the coolest? It's the baddest motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Ken Griffey Jr., you're our number one phenom because you're so fucking cool. <laughs> I was a kid and I was like, damn, he's a teenager and yeah. he's so cool. He was one of the first players for me that was like a non-giant that I was like, damn. Yeah. I wanted a Mariners hat. Oh yeah, totally. I, he I, made the Mariners cool. He made, for sure. he made, uh, what's that color? It's like that, yeah. that weird green. That, turquoise. Like, aqua green. Yeah. yeah. Turquoise green. He made turquoise cool. <laughs> he's the coolest guy in the world. He's so cool. Ken Griffey Jr. We fucking love you. We love you. You're the best. So that's it. Those are our top five. It's a great top five, them. Andrew. It's a great bit. I loved it. There we go. Hopefully, uh, Hopper can make it into uh, making it in that list one day. The fictional character of that's uh, correct. From the movie. Okay. He could probably beat out Bryce Harper. <laughs> that's not true. I don't think. I mean, Ethan Hawke was right. He was pretty skinny. Although I did read that Johnny Simmons put on a lot of weight for this movie. Like he had really? bulked up. Yeah, because normally he's like way skinnier. Than he hit, he learned to pitch seventy. He got hit seventy five. I the saw radar. that same interview. Yeah, yeah. good for him. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He hadn't like thrown a baseball at all prior to this movie. Yeah. All right. So what's next, Paul? Do you have a thing? I have a thing. Oh, what's your thing? My thing um, is about sports psychology. Ooh, that's relevant to this movie. It's very relevant to the movie. Um, as I was watching, obviously, I was like, what can I do my thing about? And I thought, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Let me pick the most obvious so one. Super duper obvious <laughs> then one. Then Andrew's got to reach for something That's essentially, else. yeah, when I texted you, I was like, let me know what you want to do because I picked just the so everybody most knows, obvious Just so everybody real. knows, we, we, we don't talk about any of this, this stuff. This is a little inside baseball about inside baseball. That's right. We don't talk about any of this stuff before the show so that right. there's a lot of natural you know, reactions yeah. and stuff. Well, kind but of. we do check in about what we're going to research so, so we, we don't, don't double up. end up researching the same thing. So whoever watches it first usually is like, I'm going to do these two really big obvious things. <laughs> and then the other person's like, well, I'm not going to watch it till next weekend. To be, so. to be fair, I texted you. I was like, hey, what have you That's true. What have you picked? You're like, I haven't watched it yet. And then I jumped for joy. I was like, cool. <laughs> I get the cool one. I got the big obvious one. Yeah. You find some. Uh, you figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. I threw you a bone for the last bit. You right. did. Anyway, here we go. I honestly did not think about phenoms at all either. <laughs> when you told me you were doing that, I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. So, sports psychology. Um, it's been around for a while, actually. Okay. Okay. And especially in baseball, longer than I thought. Um, and this first thing I'm about to say blew my fucking mind. Okay. I found this in just... Wait, wait. Can I guess? Sure. Well, you introduce oh, it or whatever. I was reading an article about like the history of sports psychology in baseball. And okay. it threw out this fact as I read the sentence. I was like what the fuck and then i researched that and i was like this is incredible okay would you like would you like to guess so that we're talking about like what year like psycho- i'll give you the year sport- 1921 that's what i was gonna guess what the year oh 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 i thought you meant the thing oh no sorry was there a different thing i didn't No, that's the, the- speak more clearly <laughs> you're so okay. mean to me i was ethan hawk flashbacks i was gonna guess like the 80s so that that's no. incredible yes 19 so, what, what 1921 year? andrew that's crazy Are you, you're not even remotely ready for this <laughs> oh, Are you ready? Man. so <laughs> in 1921 in the 20s really uh, psychologists use laboratory tasks to quantify mental and behavioral processes while sports writers and baseball organizers organizers measured individual and team performance this is all from an article right uh in 1921 
Okay. Babe Ruth's hitting prompted a, a celebrated sports writer of the day. Because in 1921, Babe Ruth was like... God. Yeah, he was yeah. He was already dubbed, I think, the home run king at this yeah. point. It was Babe Ruth and everyone else. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a celebrated sports writer brought Babe Ruth to this guy named Hugh S. Fullerton, who was a psychiatrist or a psych- psychologist, uh, to escort him to Hugh S. Fullerton's Columbia University Psychological Laboratory, subjecting Ruth to psychological tests and to perform standard laboratory tests in an effort to discover the basis for his success in hitting home runs and to suggest the potential of tests for identifying future baseball stars. What? Yeah. Wow. So this guy went, hey, Babe Ruth, you're good at baseball. Let me do some tests to figure out why you're so good at baseball. Wow, that's cool. Uh, they, assessed, they assessed Ruth's sensory, motor, and cognitive skills using standard laboratory procedures for studying attention, reaction time, and sensory motor, motor coordination. To assess his coordination, <laughs> the researchers had him insert a stylus in sequence in <laughs> of three holes in a triangle board <laughs> left to right as quickly as possible. He's and, like a rat yeah, doing kinda. lab tests. Can you imagine <laughs> Babe Ruth with a cigar and just like poking holes in the thing? Um, his score and thus coordination was judged to be superior to the average of a large but unspecified population of prior test takers. Uh, similarly, the Red he, Sox? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> just like random normal people. Yeah. Similarly, he was asked to tap a metal plate with a stylus to determine the number of taps made as rapidly as possible within one minute. Um, what else did he do? What? It's insane, dude. Um, hey, Ru- hey, Babe Ruth, we want to know why you're the best at baseball. Tap Go. this thing. Tap it. <laughs> he'd be really good. <laughs> That's at, crazy. He'd be really good at Mario Party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be a champion of Mario Party. Um, Ruth's score on a steadiness test that required him to insert a narrow stylus in different holes of different diameters to measure the frequency with which the stylus touched the side of the holes surpassed 499 of 500 individuals. <laughs> the differences between Ruth's response time to light and sound were small, but superior when compared to the average person. But Fullerton argued that even small differences were critical in giving Ruth an advantage in hitting a baseball. Um, and one test was designed to assess his hitting power. It consisted of a ball suspended at a height uh, considered optimal for Ruth's swing. A bat connected by wires to a timer measured the speed with which Ruth, Ruth swung the bat. So like stat cast. Okay. Um, <laughs> under 1920s the, stat cast. Yeah. <laughs> under the test conditions, Fullerton concluded that Ruth could hit a pitch ball traveling the rate of, of speed 60 feet per second for a distance of about 400 to five, 450 to 500 feet, a distance that coincides with many of the estimates of Ruth's home runs. And with that calculated by physicist Robert Adair in 1990 for the maximum distance a batted ball might travel. Had Ruth not held his breath as he swung, the estimate for the distance might have been even greater. Wow. Um, and then, this is a fun little That's tangent of it. wild. Isn't that crazy? This was a, a sentence just dude, randomly thrown in this article. It was like, yeah, and kind of like when Babe Ruth did these experiments. I was like, wait, wow. wait, what are you talking about? That's amazing. Um, and then in 19... Um, Oh, I don't know when this was, but Pujols, someone made Pujols do these same tests. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Um, Albert Pujols, for people who don't know, is like one of the greatest hitters of all time. Of all time. Yeah. Um, and Pujols was also able to swing the bat, uh, but with greater speed than Ruth. But there is a factor that negates the claim. Most, uh, Like most players today, Pujols swings a bat weighing 31 and a half ounces. Mm. The bat that Ruth used was 54 ounces. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Put an asterisk on uh, Pujols' yeah. career. There's asterisks everywhere, dude. Um, <laughs> So that's crazy cool. Barry Bonds fan. Yeah, I should know. 
I should definitely know about asterisks, okay? Doesn't mean he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So, next on this timeline of baseball uh, <laughs> sports psychology. Uh, but the late 19... But well, well, just... I, I yeah. guess it makes... To- like, that completely... I didn't even think about it, but that completely makes sense of, like any kind of scientific study it's like yeah. well, let's look at what's working and figure out why it's working and then apply that yeah like i'm even thinking this is like so off topic but like i'm thinking of mind hunter they're like well let's oh, study yeah. all the serial killers totally. and then we can figure out how to catch serial killers totally it's the same thing same let's thought study process. that's just science really let's study the greatest dude to play this game yeah who's like people even don't realize or appreciate rather about babe ruth like we talk about him now like oh babe ruth right. but people don't realize like how different he was from everyone else yeah. it was like bob dylan going electric yeah like, i'm not gonna play folk music anymore i'm gonna play fucking electric rock there's anymore. almost not a metaphor for it He's, yeah it, it, he it's is really the metaphor he is so he was so different yeah. of how he played the game and hitting home runs at a time when people didn't hit home runs yeah. period yeah. it's not just like they, it wasn't prolific. People didn't do it. And well, then there's he also was the, like, there's also the dead ball. Thing. I know, but, but still, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like the, the whole atmosphere of the game is people don't do this thing. Right. And then he comes in and he says, I'm going to do this thing 60 times like a, a year. lot. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's just like ah, fucking incredible. It's I don't insane. know. It's, yeah. there's no, you're right. There's no comparison to it. So yeah. to take, we like, let's study this dude and figure out what he does. And then we can figure out how to look I wonder for this. If that's in how the, to apply this. the John Goodman movie. Ooh, we got to watch it. It's been a while since I've seen it. Season 12, man. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up. <laughs> now I'm just picturing, though, Babe I've never Ruth seen that. I've never seen fucking that Fucking Mario Party. Just smashing awesome. down. Anyway, it's it's fine. Um, <laughs> okay, moving on. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing that yeah. I'd never heard of, and it's yeah, really actually cool. happened. Really cool. Um, by the late 1930s, professional baseball front office personnel began to value the importance of psychological training for successful athletic performance. Specifically, Coleman Griffith and Jack Sterrett were hired by Philip Wrigley to provide psychological expertise to the Chicago Cubs organization uh, mm. for the 1938 baseball season. Cool. That's pretty cool. That is happened cool. way the fuck back then. And again, Wrigley, he's pretty innovative. That yeah. Guy. He's also kind of responsible for the, the, the Women's a- League. A- Oh fuck me. AAPBGL. There's oh, G yeah, in the there. G. All American Girls. AAG. Oh, PB. <laughs> All American Girls Professional Baseball League. It's A-A-G-P-B-L. one of the it's the coolest baseball league that's ever existed. It's also the worst <laughs> acronym in the, of all time, really. Yeah. Um okay. At least the Nippon League is like NBL. <laughs> right. <laughs> Griffith believed that his experience consulting with the Chicago Cubs clearly showed the value of having a psychological of a psychologist provide services to professional athletes. In fact, Griffith stated the experience gained during the summer of 1938 shows clearly that the method of having trained men travel with the team can produce results of great value. Awesome. So moving on. Um, then about a decade later, the St. Louis Browns hired David Tracy to provide hypnosis and psychological uh, consulting to the St. Louis Browns. Accounts of hypnotists aiding professional baseball players began to become more common in the 50s, 60s, and even 70s. And then in the 80s, there's this guy named Harvey Dorfman who consulted full-time as a mental training consul- consultant in professional baseball. He worked over for 20 years. He worked with three different teams and then went on to work with the Scott Boris Corporation. Oh, wow. Um, he earned three, three World Series rings. Uh, or is it two? Two. two uh, one with the Oakland A's in 1989 and one with the Marlins in 97. Wow. And now, as of at least of, I don't have the stats for the 2019 season, but for 2018, there's a record 27 baseball clubs that have mental coaches on their roster. I'm shocked it's not all of them. 
I'm also shocked. The Padres don't have one. And <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean for that to be a joke, but it's so funny. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, they don't have, there's a, a couple while of we're, Fuck it. While we're on greatest hits of this podcast, yeah. Paul's a Giants fan. And I'm we, a Dodgers yeah. fan. <laughs> we find glorious common ground shitting on the Padres. <laughs> it's true. Um, anyway, the Padres don't have one. 27 of them have also the 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 term has shifted from sports psychology to mental coaching Mm. or a lot of them that throw out this phrase the mental game yeah how are you with the mental game what did did yogi bear say uh oh it's a it's a funny 90 percent of the game is half mental yeah half the game is 90 percent mental something like that (laughs) oh yogi he's the best um he was the best seven years ago from 2018 there were 20 mental skills coaches who were being used by major league clubs there are now 44 who are either full-time employees or consultants to teams and members of the professional baseball performance psychology group i'm really Super shocked cool. it's not all of them i it's clo- it's gonna be soon it's yeah. definitely gonna be um <laughs> the padres just signed manny machado like well we gotta get a guy in here quick. <laughs> right please he's got an ego he's a um, fucking head case he's kind of a piece of shit okay <laughs> nah i'm sure he's nice uh so mm. there's a lot of pressure on him i get you know like That's if anything true. these movies have really opened my eyes to like these are just dudes it's real people Man. that have so much pressure yeah to put them on this pedestal anyway no they got to live up to that 300 million dollar contract so much money dude okay so now i'm just gonna throw you some quotes real quick from people around baseball about the mental coaches cool this is from andrew friedman this is for you oh love him. um we spent president, some, president. Oh, President of Baseball Operations for the Dodgers. That's right. The I'd say the winningest team of the last decade, despite the fact that they haven't actually gotten a World Series ring. It's an interesting phrase you throw out, winningest. <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting way I to mean, say that. I mean, seven straight division titles. I mean, that's incredible. Of the last decade? Because yeah. if we're going to talk about the last decade, Andrew, that's <laughs> no, no, interesting. No, no. You, that's interesting you, you brought up about, this decade. What are you going to say so about So it's 2019. <laughs> no, so I'd Freeman, say the decade started in what, what year? Andrew 2010? Freeman. That's talk interesting. 2010. What happened in 2010, 2012, and 2014? That's very interesting. That's very interesting that you brought up this decade. I hate you. I know. You've done it. You've done this yourself. Okay. We (laughs) this is from Andrew Freeman. The the second most winningest franchise in the second. We spend so much time on physical instruction that it just makes sense to have resources on the mental side as well. It helps guys because things are so much more visible and dissected in so much more detail that there's so much more pressure. This next quote is from Brian Cashman, uh, GM of the Yankees. Our job is to put up player to put up our players in the best position to find success, and that means not just physically, but mentally and emotionally at the same time. We're trying to exercise all the muscles, including the brain. I remember when I first approached George Steinbrenner years ago, and I hired Chad Bowling. I said the Yankees should be using every tool in the toolbox, and this is the t- one tool we don't have. And George said, "Go for it." <laughs> <laughs> Thought that was a fun quote. The the subtitles of that scene. In a movie, would be George Steinbrenner, your fucking terrorizing whack job. <laughs> Everybody here needs a psychiatrist because you're so scary. <laughs> so fucking true. Uh, this is another one for you. Dave Roberts says, um, "Hey, Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts, current manager, current manager of the Dodgers, slash former Giant. Former. Did you uh, see Barry Bonds rip his hat off? Red Sox. Uh, yeah, I did. so fucking good. I, um, love, I love Dave Roberts. I do too. He's so he's much. a really cool guy. Yeah, really nice great. guy. This is a quote about his mental coach." for the Dodgers. He kind of taps into me, making sure I'm thinking the right thoughts, uh, Robert says. I use him to bounce ideas off during the year. It's a great resource to have. Mm, awesome. Because um, that's the other thing about yeah. mental coaches is that they're also there for the coach. Yeah, totally. They're helping. They're trying to help them coach the players in a way to make them successful as yeah. well. 
And well, and just as a coach, I mean, I was thinking about this. So again, this podcast is so fucking dated. But Mickey <laughs> Mickey Calloway today just got fired yeah. as the manager of the Mets yeah. after two seasons. Obviously, there have been firings left and right. Joe Madden's not coming back to the Cubs. Probably going to go to the Angels. Brad Osmus was fired. Maybe from the, the Angels. Giants. Yeah, I kind of hope not. I think they read. I like they, Joe Madden. They were looking at like internal candidates. I read. In, on yeah, but it might be Mullins. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> being a being a manager is you're kind of in a crazy position. Like at the end of the day, the players have to perform. Like, yeah, I don't know. I get that they need a change in Chicago, but also it's like Chris Bryant kind of sucked this year. Yeah, Rizzo didn't hit as much. Like I, how's like John Lester got old? How's that Joe Madden's <laughs> fault? I yeah, don't. It's not. I don't know. I don't. I don't quite get it. It's interesting you're bringing up Joe Madden because I'm going to bring him up. Uh, a oh, lot interesting. In, later in this. Okay, keep going. Um, this is great, by the way. I'm loving this. Oh, cool. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> that was Dave Roberts. And then um, I have one example of another mental coach that's currently going. And then I'm going to talk about one guy just for the last part of it. Okay. Uh, there's this one guy. His name is, um, whew, this is a crazy spelling of a word. I'm going to say Tewksbury. It's spelled T E W K S B U R Y. Tewksbury, I Tewksbury? believe. Maybe, sure. <laughs> um, he's a former, he's a current uh, mental coach, but he's the only one that's used to be a player. Uh, mm. Used to be a professional baseball wow, player. Interesting. He was. Uh, he won 110 games in his 13-year career. He's baseball's lone mental skills coach uh, with a master's degree in psychology who also wow, played in the big cool. leagues. He was an all-star who finished uh, third in 1992 in the Cy Young balloting. And uh, he's a 17 game winner and two time 13 game loser. So, who did he uh, play for? I don't, I don't know. Ah, I got you, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> That's the other recurring. He joke. played for teams in Major League Baseball. We ask. We we only research. Okay. I don't know why we're listing. All <laughs> 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 it just 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 let it happen. It's because we haven't recorded in like three we, weeks. We we're phonies. We we record. We we research the absolute bare minimum. That's true. To talk about on the show, then one of us is like, oh. That's interesting here's my very obvious follow-up <laughs> <laughs> and we're both like ah, i don't know i didn't i didn't i researched this all last night i don't know oh, it's sure. such a research right before you came during when you came anyway okay listen <laughs> tell me about this guy okay so that guy's cool he played for so many teams <laughs> the main guy i want to talk about his name is ken revisa or revisa okay um and he is largely considered to be the godfather of modern sports psychology especially in baseball so this guy started in anaheim in the 80s and it was there that he befriended Joe Madden because Joe Madden mm. also worked for the Angels in the 80s. For like 30 years, right? For a while, yeah. He started yeah. as a scout and then he's a minor league coach and then he was like a bench coach was, and I think a base he coach. For them too. He did before that as well. Yeah. yeah. And so they became friends. And as you know, Madden's like the, you know, he's like kind of like the he's, Zen master. He's yeah, so, likes unconventional so shit. For people who don't know, Joe Madden um, was. Uh, obviously a long time player and coach and everything, but he eventually became a manager. He managed the Tampa Bay Rays yes. and then moved to the Chicago Cubs. He was the manager when they won the world series in 2016. Right. Again, the second most important fact after Bartolo Colon goes yard, but he's um, also known for being having like unconventional way of doing things. Right. Yes. So he yeah. befriended Ken Revisa and really took to this idea of mental coaching and, sports psychology yeah that's um, that like you said that's what he's known for very much so and it's because of this friendship so madden rose up in the ranks in anaheim and eventually earned his job uh as a tampa bay as the tampa bay manager in 2005 mm -hmm. and took ken with him so the two of them went to mm. tampa bay and he became the coach there or both of them were coaches um and then obviously they went to a world series uh, they lost to the Phillies, I believe. The Tampa Bay Rays did. Mm. Um, and don't have the year. 2008? Anyway, yeah, something like that. And then, obviously, 
Madden got hired in 2015 and took, again, revisit with him, and he was a mental coach for the World Series win. And yeah. a lot of the players, a lot of the players in Chicago, actually, anyone, any player that's come in contact with Ken have, have all said, like, he is the reason that I am so successful. Like, they all fucking oh, wow, adore cool. this guy. So I'm going to quickly, and it's kind of a sad ending, but I'll get to you, I'll get to that in a bit. I'm going to go through a little bit of his philosophies um, and how he uh, kind of teaches. And a lot of this information I got from a um, a podcast, actually, called High Performance Mindset with Sindra Kampoff, where it's about, like, she's a mental coach as well. Oh, cool. And each episode, she has different sports psychologists or mental psych- just psychologists in general talk oh, wow. about their, their stuff and how they you know get people to perform what's it what's it called again high performance mindset with syndra Campoff. syndra spelled with a c shout out to syndra yeah and so she had ken actually on two episodes because he was so fucking good and i listened to both of them and i couldn't he's amazing he's so fucking cool he's so nice um <laughs> he's just like the nicest guy and that's another thing i kept seeing was that they all said he was so nice but he's also known for saying for like anytime he sees you he always says like hey how are you doing like oh. he's just so nice he's known for nice. being overlays anyway first thing that he does in terms of his uh teaching is breathing he's big on breath right and this i'm just gonna it's quote pretty, him that's that's why this guy's no it's pretty fundamental <laughs> oh no totally and in fact he has this <laughs> keep quote, breathing <laughs> he has this quote where he says um I follow his advice every single day. It's so true. <laughs> he, he asks players. It's his other thing is he's constantly learning. He constantly wants to get better. Um, he asks players, like, what helped, you mo- what helped you the most? And the overwhelming reaction from athletes' response was breathing. <laughs> and he says, okay. And at first, Sandra, I was – this is directly from the podcast. Uh, I w- at first, Sandra, I was sort of offended with all the stuff I had to listen to that came back. And breathing was the most effective thing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um so he said that no it is really true though i mean it's true and this is here i'm going to get into it what does the this is from him what does the breath do number one the breath brings oxygen to the brain so that you can think clearly number two the breath when you need energy focus on the inhalation and when you need to calm down focus on the exhalation so there's two phases of breathing the inhalation when you need energy the exhalation when you need to calm down the breath brings you to the present moment inhale exhale it gets you back to here the breath allows you to shift from thinking to doing to make the shift from the thinking mind to the athletic mind the doing mind and the final thing with the breath is the breath is the start of good rhythm good rhythm begins with good breath mm, and that's like great. it's a that's yeah. helpful that's helpful for anybody and too. that's the thing yeah. that i mostly took away from this was that like i want to read his book he's written two books oh that's um, cool heads up baseball and heads up baseball too um <laughs> Creative. and uh yeah like all of his tips are like so uh could be used in any aspect of life. yeah sure okay and then the second thing that he really focuses on is the why he always asks athlete all that any athlete he's ever worked with he asks i start with why do you play your sport? Why do you do this? Why do you love competing? What mm. is it about? Why do you do it? You know, I'm just thinking all of this stuff is stuff we see in the movie. hundred percent. You know, right. Why do you like pitching? Right. When was the first time you you pitched? Yeah. I think and, this like, guy was kind of loosely maybe based on sure, totally. uh, Paul Giamatti was loosely based on him because when yeah, he started, yeah. he was Even just the, as famous. The hypnotism kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And, That's well, great. I'll get more into it. Um, he says, what is it? Uh, why do you do it? Because when you know when why you're doing something, it helps you shovel the garbage that goes with the pursuit of excellence. Because one thing that's really clear, high-level high performance in whatever it is, is a love-hate relationship with what you do. You love it at times, and you hate it at times. That's so true. So fucking true, dude. Yeah. 
And then one last quote from him because I fucking love quoting him. One thing I've learned in my years of doing this with professional athletes and Olympic athletes. That's the other thing. He's worked with, he's been in like mm, eight Olympics. Yeah, he's worked sense. with the gymnasts. He's worked with sure. the military personnel to help them wow, perform. That's cool. Which makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah. Talk about stakes, right? <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, the Olympics are really high stakes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. One thing I've learned in my years of doing this with professional athletes and Olympic athletes, confidence is fragile. Let's be real clear on that. Now, I know for the listeners, they think that these top-level athletes have everything all together. But believe me, they're human beings like you and I. They have their flaws and their frailties. You don't see that on TV, but we all have it. Confidence is fragile. To learn to compete, you've got to learn to compete when you're on your when you have your A game, when everything is going great. That's fantastic. But you also have to learn to compete when you have your B game or your C game. And one thing I ask athletes all the time is that I ask them this question. Are you that crappy of an athlete that you have to feel good to perform well? Because from my perspective, feeling good is overrated. You don't have to feel good to perform well. Baseball players, if you ask them when they were a kid and played with that wiffle ball with their friends, how many times did their friends come to the house and knock on the door and say, do you want to play? Never once did they ask, do you ask yourself, how do I feel today? Where's my swing at? I don't know. No, you went out and you played. You competed and it didn't matter what you had. Wow. And at that point, I was like, well, that's going in the podcast because yeah. <laughs> that's like directly from the fucking movie. That's amazing. Um, so in 2004, the Fullerton baseball team got off to an awful start and Revisa was, I think he was working at the school. That's where he taught. Revisa placed a miniature toilet in the dugout for players to flush their mistakes and move on to the next pitch. That's beautiful. I um, love that. This is a quote. Kurt Suzuki um, was on that team. Wow. And he said, um, we all thought it was pretty funny. It's a toy. But as we bought into it, it really, really helped. You can always hear him in the back of your mind. Suzuki said, uh, flush it. Just let it go. Wow, that's incredible. Kurt Suzuki, amazing major league player now. Amazing. Yeah. And so the sad part is he died uh, oh, last no. year in 2018. He had a, a heart attack at age 70. He lives a pretty full life. Um, mm-hmm. But just to end the segment, I want to quote a bunch of uh, famous baseball people that worked with him and loved him so much. He does. He was the best at what he does. I hear his voice in my head every day. He's left an internal impact on all of us. Baseball wasn't ready for him. Every manager thought he had all the answers. He's another coach. No different than your hitting coach or your pitching coach or infield coach. He's going to help you think more clearly in a difficult moment. And that's a good thing. Attitude is a decision. That was him. Do not permit pressure to exceed the pleasure. Wow. This, this is a, all great for life, too. It's like, so good. I want to read the book anything so bad. That, anything you do, your craft, your career, yeah, your work, exactly. just being present in your life, that's, that's great. In the I podcast, he kept talking about how like failure was such a good thing. And, like, yeah, Just absolutely. really learn from it, right? Mm-hmm. Is it from Rizzo? It's all information. Yeah. yeah. Is it from Anthony Rizzo? Uh, thank you for everything you have done, not only to the organization, but for our entire baseball family. You're a true pioneer. I will miss you, Doc. Every time I rock in the box, I'll be rocking for you. This is another one from Rizzo. He was great. You could get whatever you want off your chest. Life, baseball, anything. He was always there, always smiling. Life happens fast. John Lester, life is crazy. One minute you're celebrating, the next you're mourning. We lost a great one last night. The good Dr. Ken was in the league of his own. Rest easy. And uh, yeah, they all contribute him to their success in the World Series. Sure. Jason Hayward's evidently during the rain delay in this World Series. He gave a big speech. And like they all like Ken Revisa said that was his proudest moment that Hayward because he wasn't really playing well at all. Yeah. And he stepped up in that moment and reminded them of who they all were. Yeah. And Revisa was like, that was my my proudest moment of my career was that speech because like it was probably a direct result of his teachings. $180 million speech. (laughs) Um, And the last quote from Ken is so good, dude. In sport, you have to deal with the reality of the situation that you're in. As the Greeks used to say, 
ancient Greek tradition, you go and you stand naked before the gods. Wow. So fucking good. Awesome. Anyway, so that's, that's Ken Revisa. That's the description of pitching I've ever heard. 100%, dude. 100%. So wow. he is a, a legend and he'll be missed. And I highly recommend you go check out that podcast. It's really cool. He's I will. really, really nice and gives lots of tips. And even like in the podcast intro, it's just like, because he just talks. He's a rambler, as you could tell from those really long quotes I read. Yeah, but awesome though. She's just like, wow, just keep talking. <laughs> But yeah, that's no, uh, it's true. I mean, that's you know, that's the work that we do in life too. Is like even when you're feeling shitty, you're down, yeah. or scared, or whatever. Like one, it's just information. Yeah, you got to know how to exist in those states because they're gonna happen. And two, that's kind of the beautiful thing of being alive is the whole spectrum of emotion. Yeah, even quote unquote negative emotion. Yeah, or I'm, yeah, I'm feeling uncomfortable or scared or whatever befriend those feelings exactly you know, acknowledge them yeah don't don't just get rid of them that's the thing that you know a lot of therapists i think talk about is befriend those feelings right don't try and they're part cut of them you out too. or turn them off or yeah. anything yeah and and obviously that's something that we see in the journey of hopper in this whole movie 100 trying to befriend vulnerability and being open and compassionate with someone yeah. else and empathetic and and all of those things yeah befriend his fear Totally. He says he pitches out of fear and, and again, it's the whole game. All and, because of Paul Giamatti and yeah, his mental exactly. coaching. Look at that. I oh, guess that's great. And he did a lot of stuff like there were, before the, the 2016 season, he laid out in spring training, Ken, he laid out 162 balls on the field and then like a, a bat every like 30 or so representing each month of every game that wow. is that is in just so they could get a visual representation of like each one of these is important. Yeah. Like don't think about it on the whole but think about it like one baseball one game at a time oh, wow. wow that's cool he, he did a lot of weird fun visual stuff like like in the movie you know like yeah. whatever works yeah totally well and and like you said joe madden just like oh, adopted that's all his that. whole thing i mean the all the stories of joe madden are like he made everybody dress up in costumes right yeah he brought in flamingos to right. the clubhouse <laughs> just because it was weird and different yeah, and exactly. got people out Throw of their routines and, yeah. yeah exactly anyway uh, that's so really go. cool that's awesome sorry that was so fucking long oh that's okay I, I'm having a good time. I don't have to, they're having a good time. I don't have to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Uh, speaking of, yeah. let's do... Uh, Last one. Yeah, let's do our third Inside Baseball segment. So I've got one more segment that I want to talk about. And by I want to talk about, what I mean is you texted me last night saying, hey, you should research this and do it for the show. Okay, to be fair, it is true. Everything you said is true. <laughs> But you did say, oh, that's a good idea. I did. Okay. I said, that's a good idea. Do you want to do it? And you're like, no, no I'm swamped. I was overwhelmed. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> what I just, the information I just fucking threw up about mental coaching is probably like 5% of the actual shit I found. Like, totally. There I was so it. much, dude. Yeah. All just, I mean, just from Ken alone was yeah. so much. Anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. I actually, I'm a nerd also. I, I did want to know this stuff. So, all right, I'm ready. Uh, I wanted to know. <laughs> I guess we both wanted we, to know. We all want to know. We all, everyone wants to know. Um, who are the most intimidating pitchers in the game? Right. Because that's a huge kind of motivating factor for Ethan Hawke's character is you got to be intimidating. Right. You got to strike. You, you got to play from fear. You got to strike fear into the hearts of the hitters. His whole thing is, is. No emotion. Yeah. No emotion. Strike fear. Be intimidating. It's a very hard edge. I think he said like some approach. some guys like would strike out before they even got to the box or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. I missed that. It was like 
That's great. So, some guys were already had lost before they got up there because they were so intimidated. Yeah, totally. And he mentions a few who I won't mention because they're all in this list. But um, he mentions a few a few intimidating pitchers. And he's like, right. you got to be more like these guys. Yeah, so I wanted to know about pitcher intimidation of the hitters because it's a big psychological tactic. So Sandy Koufax said that pitching is the art of instilling fear, which I just love. I think that's awesome. That's very good. All that, all that touchy feely stuff you just went through. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. See you later, baby. This is hard edged. <laughs> <laughs> we are instilling fear. Um, so intimidation kind of comes from several different sources. Yeah. Um, I kind of distilled it down into like three, a combination sort of of three things. Um, the first one is just filthy stuff. Just if you're a great pitcher, yeah, filthy stuff. Have you ever heard that before? What <laughs> no, is- I have. I have. I just. <laughs> <laughs> when you said it, I immediately was like, like sex? I was just <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Uh sorry. Andrew stopped because I made like such a weird face <laughs> when he was talking. Uh I know what you mean, yes. Yeah. They got some junk. Yeah. <laughs> junk they just they can throw the ball good. Yeah. <laughs> they can a lot of movement. Ball. Filthy usually means like some crazy in, shit. In really nerd jargon, yeah. filthy means the movement and the speed of the ball is insane it's crazy right and stuff actually filthy just means the movement really yeah stuff means the speed like if you hmm. say just he's yeah, I got, guess so. if you say he's got great stuff it yeah. just means he can throw a fucking amazing fastball yeah, yeah. usually filthy usually means that, yeah the movement and, and, and unhittable yeah so i put this on the list because basically all the top uh most intimidating pitchers they're all aces Right, of course. <laughs> I mean, clearly they're going to be, but it yeah. was just like there's there's no there's no one who was like, oh, he was an intimidating pitcher, but then didn't have kind of sucked. Yeah, yeah, didn't have great success. All these guys, he are could like, beat me up, but I could hit his fastball. Yeah, <laughs> he fucking scared the shit out of me, but you know he went 500 in his career. Yeah. <laughs> so just filthy stuff. Sure, is one. Uh, you got to be a little crazy. That's okay. the second. Okay. That's the second determining. Nolan Ryan said it helps if they think you're crazy. Oh, that's good too. Just keep them off their off their oh, game. Fuck. And the third one is pitching inside. Yeah, brushing the players off the plate and not being afraid to plunk them if they need. That's really the old school intimidation factor. So old is, school. Yeah. This guy can fucking throw a ball 100 miles an hour. He will murder me, and he's gonna hit me with yeah. it. Yeah. Before we get into the list, uh, some honorable mentions. August Gus Wayring holds the record for the most hits ba- hit batsman. You say his a- first name August? August. Wow, that's a hell of a baseball. Name. August Wayring. They called him Gus. <laughs> Fantastic baseball name. Uh, sure. uh he holds the record for the most hit batsman in a career. Wow. He hit 277 batters. Oh my god. He played from 1887 <laughs> to 1901. <laughs> that's so old. So, he does not make the list cuz he wasn't very good. Right. He's actually the, the... He's the one. He's the one guy. He was intimidating he was, because people are like, people, oh, shit, I don't want to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, his career was like around 500. He, yeah, like wasn't, okay. he wasn't a great pitcher. He's the, the outlier. That got me curious to just on a tangent. Huey Jennings mm-hmm. holds a record of uh, the major league record for most hit by pitches. I've heard about batter. this guy. Yeah. How many? He got 287 times. Jesus. Was he just huge? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Chase Utley got, he's like number four on the all-time That's list. because he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm sure he's fine. No, he plays the game the right way. <laughs> not dissimilar. Right. It's fair. Okay. So some honorable mentions who are not on the list, but uh, were pretty intimidating. Nolan okay. Ryan, Walter Johnson. Yep. Max, yep. Max Scherzer is kind of yeah. regarded as like the number one current most intimidating player. Sure. And at their heights, 
Kershaw and Bumgarner both regarded very as very intimidating. Totally intimidating. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just attitude. As I'm much glad as, you included Bum in there. Of too. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna not include Bum. It's fair. I don't hate on the Giants. I have love right, for my team, and you fucking here hate my team. Yes, <laughs> I have love for your team, and you, you hate my team. You love many teams, though. God damn it. Okay, you can't deny this. It's true. It's true. I don't. I'm not a hater. I love hating. Okay, <laughs> leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> I hate the Dodgers. <laughs> God damn it. All right. I love. I, I, Kershaw's great. There you go. I said it on record. Jesus recording. Christ. I edit this shit, so I'm taking that out. Okay, go ahead. Top five most intimidating pitchers. Yeah. Again, no particular order. No particular order except a clear number one. Okay. Actually, I wonder, so we'll, I we'll do them last. I have, a, I have it in mind. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Number five on our unranked list: Pedro Martinez. Oh yeah. Hands down, one of the greatest pitchers ever yep. in the game. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Without a doubt, I'd say without a doubt in the top five, maybe in the top three. Yeah pitchers of all time yeah yeah he won no argument for me he won three cy youngs he was the runner-up twice just fucking shit ton of records and not only that but the thing that makes him special is he pitched in the heart of the steroid era yeah so it's like and in mostly in boston which is a pitcher friendly park yeah so uh sorry a hitter friendly park so it's like he's in a bad environment he's in the worst time <laughs> and he was one of the <laughs> most dominate the ever in history <laughs> i love pedro martinez he won the pitching triple crown, which was wins, lowest ERA, and the most strikeouts. That's insane. He's crazy. His nickname was Senor Plunk, <laughs> which I didn't know until I looked this up. It's uh, pretty good. Pretty in nineteen ninety four alone, he was ejected twelve times for hitting by hitting players. Uh, he hit more than one hundred and forty batters in his career. Wow. The umpires used to say, and I, again, I got all this information from tons of different articles sure. and sources and stuff, so we're not, unfortunately not going to source them, but the umpires used to say, Pedro, why do you have that chip on your shoulder? It's because I was told I wasn't going to make it. In my mind, everybody was against me. In my mind, I was an animal, and when I got to the mound, I was 6'5 and 300 pounds. I wasn't a tall guy, but I acted like one. Ethan Hawke would love <laughs> Pedro. Pedro. He, Pedro would run alongside oh my God. Hopper yelling He'd at wake him. up Hopper. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go run. He'd wake up Ethan Hawke and yeah. be like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Why are you here, yeah. Pedro? <laughs> yeah. Pedro also famously small. He was like 5'11". Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, that's why he says, I got up on the mound and I was 6'5". He just like, wow. it totally fueled his whole thing. So his brother was drafted by the Dodgers and then he went to play with the Dodgers also. And that was a big motivating factor because his brother was kind of like the, Mm. not the chosen one in the sense of like, you know, Bryce Harper, we said the chosen one, but he was actually drafted. Right. And then it's like, had more of a path of success. Yeah. They, he was picked by the team. Right. And then everyone said, well, they only brought on Pedro because as a favor to the brother. Right. Like, He's the he's the ride along, and that was very motivating for Pedro. He was like, "No, I'm gonna fucking destroy everybody," Jesus. and went on to become Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez, one of the greatest. He also brought David Ortiz to the big leagues. He did. That's true. Anyway. Man, what an impact on the game! That guy, incredible. Uh, he said, "When I hit a batter, it was ninety percent intentional." Oh my god! <laughs> That's the most badass thing. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. He said once. Two days before my start, Roger Clemens drilled Kevin Millar. I didn't care whether it was, it was intentional or not. Clemens hit one of my players, so I filed it to the top of my to-do list. 
<laughs> and in, in his autobiography, Pedro Martinez said, while pitching with the Boston Red Sox, he once hit New York Yankees players Alfonso Soriano and Derek Jeter back-to-back. I told some of my teammates, at least I gave them a discount on the ambulance. They both got to go in the same one. <laughs> Just ruthless. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Pedro Martinez <laughs> on, on our list of most intimidating pitchers. Love it. Great choice. Number four. Okay. <clears throat> again, unranked. Guy we just mentioned, Roger Clemens. Woo. The Rocket. Yeah. People don't remember. God, I got to go on a tangent again with all these there guys. People don't remember. I'm sure people do remember. <laughs> <laughs> just because they're not talking about it doesn't mean they don't remember. People aren't talking about okay, sure. how they remember <laughs> how the Rocket was the fucking best pitcher on the planet. He was, a, he was, he was insane. Unstoppable. He yeah. was terrific. People, who cares about steroids, whatever. He was fucking... Oh, no, you know who what? cares about Roger Clemens' steroids? That's fine. Sure. You know what? Roger Clemens is my Barry Bonds. Fuck it. He, yeah. He's amazing. I love he's Roger Clemens. Good. He's very yeah. good. He's great. Roger Clemens sits third on the all-time strikeout list. He won seven Cy Young Awards. Oh, my God. Because that's not insanity. Wow. Seven? Yeah, seven. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he had steroids, but still. Yeah, uh, high 90s fastball. When Clemens threw at a batter, they felt it. He plunked 159 batters in his 24-year career. Everybody kind of perceives me as being angry. It's not anger. It's motivation, hmm. he said. Hmm. Chuck Knobloch. I would is, say it's the steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> I like Roger Clemens. I just say it doesn't matter sure. to me. <laughs> sure. Uh, I love Roger Clemens MVP <laughs> baseball. Oh, there that you go. That <laughs> fucking game is my fucking jam. I loved Roger Clemens, comma, the MVP of baseball. <laughs> okay. What were you about to quote? Chuck Knobloch, who yeah. we talked about before, second baseman for the Yankees for a time. He actually used to wonder if Clemens threw inside against him just because Knobloch went to Texas A&M and Clemens went for the arch rival Texas in college. <laughs> Clemens also famously plunked Mike Piazza uh, in July 2000. The Mets and Yankees, in July of 2000, okay, the Yan- Yankees and Mets then met in the World Series. Uh, Clemens started game two in the first inning. He shattered Mike Piazza's bat. He picked up a chunk of the bat and he threw it across the first baseline right in the direction where Mike uh, Piazza was running. Nice. It's like a famous incident, but everyone was like, oh shit, that, like that's like chill out, dude. Whoa, bro. <laughs> yeah. The bench is cleared. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. Clemens hit Yankee shortstop Derek Jeter in the rib cage just a half inning after Blue Jays shortstop Alex Gonzalez was nailed in the head by Hideki Irabu with an unavoidable pitch that no one, not even Clemens, thought was intentional. Mm. Okay. What made the Jeter incident notable? It was only a spring training game. (laughs) (laughs) Yankees reliever Mike Stanton chuckled. Have I ever heard of a guy purposely hitting someone in spring training? No, I didn't know he did that. Yankees infielder Luis Soho said, oh, everybody used to hate him. <laughs> That's his quote. <laughs> Clemens once said in a post-game interview about, the, about hitting Jeter that one time, yeah. he said, Hall of Fame pitchers like Don Drysdale and Bob Gibson talked to me a fair bit early in my career and nolan ryan to some extent too and that's where i learned about pitching inside i mean big d don drysdale before he passed on he told me that he thought his most important pitch of any game was the second knockdown pitch why because then the hitter knew the first one wasn't a mistake (laughs) oh man wow ruthless that's amazing intense author jonathan mayo wrote a book 
about how intimidating Roger Clemens was. It's called Facing Clemens. Holy shit. And it's a book of interviews with players. Oh, including that sounds amazing. Ken Griffey Jr., Chipper Jones, Cal Ripken Jr., and even Clemens's son, Kobe Clemens. Oh, Kobe. About being in the batter's box to face the rocket bearing down from the mound. Jesus Christ. In 2019... Okay. At age 56, okay. he pitched in the University of Texas alumni game. What? He hit the mid-80s with his fastball <gasps> and, quote, was still able to snap off a breaking ball that can buckle the knees of players much less than half his age. How old is he? 56. Holy shit. Apparently. Clemens- still taking them steroids, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> From this article, it says, apparently Clemens is also still a bit intimidating on the mound because he lamented later at least one of the current Longhorns players bunted on him. Clemens later complained about how the kid about the kid to the press and said that he was going to talk to the coach to toughen him up. <laughs> who bunts? He's like, he's like, who bunts on me? Oh, come on. I got to toughen these guys up. There's like these millennials. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too soft. <laughs> Sensitive. It should take steroids. Yeah. yeah right All right. Clemens. Wow. Fucking intimidating. Great, great. Great choice. Number. What are we at? Three, three. I think number three, no matter which way you're going. Yeah. Randy Johnson. Oh, I'm so glad. I thought I, I thought maybe love, he'd be number one. I love Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson's the best, dude. The big unit. Ugh. One of the most fearsome presences on the mound in MLB history. Yeah. Apparently, he was kind of he's kind of a laid back guy. Yeah. But just he's so huge. It's hard. And he threw so hard and he was such a dominant pitcher. He's got such a scary face, dude. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He's got this crazy stare. He's a really nice man though. Like Yeah. He any, he, he loves photography. He's like yeah. a photographer. Do you know about this? This is in here, but what? so since he's retired, yeah. he mostly focuses on his photography. Yeah, company. he loves taking pictures. Do you know what the logo is? Is it an exploding bird? It's a dead bird. Yes. <laughs> it's not exploding. Yes. For people who don't know, just we've talked about it on other podcasts. It's hard to not talk about it. Go to YouTube. Just type in Randy Johnson bird. <laughs> it's a little bit triggering if you love animals, I guess I should say. But yeah, it's true. Can you yeah. imagine if that if that happened nowadays in HD? Because it's in, in it's in standard definition. And it, in 3D. Oh, my God. <laughs> be really brutal looking. Anyway. Randy Johnson, one of the most fearsome pitchers ever yeah. in all baseball. Six foot ten. Struck out more batters than any other left-hander in all of baseball. He's almost seven feet tall. I think he's like third on the list of all of strikeouts of all time. I think so too. And then he's like the first. I think he did it as a giant. Actually, played his last season as a giant. Anyway, that's all. It's only the facts I know. Is how's they how they how does this pertain to the Giants? <laughs> Five-time Cy Young Award winner. Yeah, tossed a perfect game against the Atlanta Braves in 2004 when he was 40 years old. That's <laughs> like Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> for love of the game bonkers yeah five years later it happened in real life that's crazy struck out more than 300 hitters five seasons in a row which is i think a record uh tim kirchin writing for espn he said ask any hitter and he has a story about a really bad or terrifying at bat against johnson <laughs> padres hitter brian giles said about johnson when he's standing on top of the mound for me it's like looking at the top of a mountain Chipper Jones said, he's the most physically dominating pitcher I've ever faced. I really do hope that I faced him for the last time. When he finally retires, I'll be the first one out there to give him a standing ovation and a pat on the back on the way out. Insane. He was just so excited for him to be done. (laughs) Jeff Hudson, who played for several teams, he said, 
What was the worst thing that Michael Jordan could do to you? He can go dunk on you. He could embarrass you. What's the worst thing Randy Johnson could do to you? He can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true, though. It's, true, it's though. so true. We we decided not to talk about it for another show, but there was one player in all of Major League Baseball history who has been killed by getting hit in the head by a pitch. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's it terrible. Can, it can happen. It can absolutely happen. It's a really sad, horrifying story. So yeah. Look it up, I guess, on your own. Um, there's a YouTube video, an amazing YouTube video. It's called The Big Unit Randy Johnson Strikes Fear to the Heart of John Kirk. <laughs> uh, John Kruk. Kruk, who yeah, we talk Chuck about Kruk. all the time. Yeah. He's in he's in Star of the Fan in yeah. American pastime. When he was a player, uh, he was facing Randy Johnson in the All-Star game. Oh, yes. And he video. like doesn't even want to stand in the batter's box. He like hops out of the batter's box. Does he Randy throw like a wild pitch? Yeah, over his head. Yeah. And then he's so scared. He just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a Bartolo Colon swing. He like yeah. swings and spins around because yeah. he doesn't want to get in the batter's box. <laughs> Randy Johnson said that he realized he could start intimidating hitters when he found control. As a young man, mm. he was just concerned with throwing strikes. But once he found his control, he realized that throwing one under someone's chin every once in a while to keep them honest was something that he would factor in wow. to his strategy. It's part of the game. Yeah, he retired, I have here, 46. Got all the way to 46 playing baseball. Amazing. It's insane. Incredible. Almost as old as Bartolo. I would imagine that, <laughs> imagine that like his height also just gave, gives him an advantage in terms of throwing the ball so fast. Oh, 100%. He, the, 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 the release point is so high. Well, know? and his legs are so long. So long. He's, he's practically handing he's it to the catcher. He's literally like three feet closer yeah. <laughs> when he steps off the mound. Damn, dude, he's so fucking cool. All right, number two. Number two, who is the real number two, I think, Don Drysdale. This is something that he is known for. Yes. Dodgers pitcher, uh, along with Sandy Koufax, formed the Dodgers' dominant one-two duo in the 1960s. He won the Cy Young Award in 1962. Hall of Famer, legendary mean streak. Yeah. Here's some quotes. Dick Grote said, hitting against Don Drysdale is like going to a dentist appointment. (laughs) Mickey Mantle said, I hated to hit against Drysdale. After he hit you, he'd come around, look at the bruise in your arm, and ask, do you want me to sign it? (laughs) (laughs) That's so badass. So badass. Wow. Orlando Cepeda said, the trick against Don Drysdale is to hit him before he hits you. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is just known as being the baddest motherfucker ever on the mound. Uh, Mike Shannon said Don Drysdale would consider an intentional walk a waste of three pitches. If he wants to put you on base, he can hit you with one pitch. (laughs) Amazing. Here's some quotes from him. He said, I hate all hitters. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. I start a game mad and I stay that way until it's over. Ethan Hawk would love this guy. He would love this guy. The pitcher has to find out if the hitter is timid. And if he is timid, he has to remind the hitter that he's timid. Amazing. Just to finish off, Tom Drysdale. He said, My own little rule was two for one. If one of my teammates got knocked down, then I knocked down two of the other team. <laughs> Don Drysdale. Wow. And number one, drum roll. Okay. Let me see if I can guess in my mind. Okay. No, I thought it was going to be Randy Johnson, so I have no idea. Go ahead. Bob Gibson. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Universally known as the toughest, most intimidating pitcher ever. 
He played 17 seasons for the Cardinals, nine-time All-Star. He won two World Series rings. He was a Cy Young winner twice, and he won the MVP. Wow. Over the course of his career, Gibson became known for his fierce competitive nature and the intimidation factor that he used against opposing batters. This is just like a thing known in the game. Like, it, this has cropped up, actually. I mean, we don't talk about these, like, super little idiosyncratic details. Sure. But this has popped up in several movies that we watched where if they need to be, if they reference being tough, they're like, you know, like Bob Gibson. Right, It's yeah. just like the go-to guy, the guy for, yeah, being the tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's also competitive. Gibson <laughs> said, I've played a couple hundred games of tic-tac-toe with my little daughter, and she hasn't beaten me yet. <laughs> I always have to win. I've got to win. <laughs> that's a, that's an amazing yeah. quote. <laughs> My little daughter. That's so funny. He hasn't beaten me once. I'm never going to fucking lose. <laughs> he said, when I knocked a guy down, there was no second part to the story. <laughs> wow. Yeah, what a badass quote. Wow. He rarely smiled, and he was known to throw brushback pitches to establish dominance over the strike zone and intimidate the batter. He was... <laughs> Surly and brusque, even with his teammates. When his catcher, Tim McCarver, went to the mound for a conference one time, sent by the manager, by the way, Gibson brushed him off, saying, the only thing you know about pitching is that it's hard to hit. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, fuck you, catcher. (laughs) I'm Bob Gibson. That same catcher, Tim McCarver, he said, Bob Gibson is the luckiest pitcher in baseball. He's always pitching when the other team doesn't score any runs. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Vince Cully said Bob Gibson pitches as though he's double parked. I just Dang, love that quote. That's, that's an so amazing good. quote. Yeah. It's got to get out of there. So here we go. Gibson casually disregards his reputation for intimidation, hmm. saying he made no concerted effort to seem intimidating. He hmm. joked in an interview with the St. Louis public radio station that the only reason he made faces while pitching was because he needed glasses and could not see the catcher's signals. Hmm. How badass is that? That he doesn't even acknowledge his badassness? He, every, he's universally regarded as the most intimidating yeah. baseball player ever. And he's like, oh, yeah, no. Couldn't I wasn't see. even trying. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> nope, not me. Wasn't he doing knows. it. He knows how badass it's, it's he is. Ama- it's amazing. Yeah. I, I read that quote and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then I was like, oh, no. that's the most badass response. It's the most badass. Yeah. What's the most badass thing you could do? Brag about your badassness no. or disregard it? Yeah, completely. <laughs> Amazing. It. That's great. Here's a quote from Dusty Baker. He said that Hank Aaron told me, don't dig in against Bob Gibson. He'll knock you down. He'll <laughs> knock down his own grandmother if she dared to challenge him. <laughs> don't stare at him. Don't smile at him. Don't talk to him. He doesn't like it. If you happen to hit a home run, don't run too slow. Don't run too fast. If you happen to want to celebrate, get in the tunnel first. Oh and if he hits God. you, don't charge the mound because he's a gold glove boxer. <laughs> I'm like, damn. This is Hank Aaron? This is Dusty. Hank Aaron said that to Dusty Baker. Oh, this is Dusty Baker. And Dusty Baker said, I'm like, damn, what about my 17 game hitting streak? And that was the night it ended. <laughs> <laughs> wow. These are, I, would, I will say this segment has the best quotes, I think, the in, best of quotes. any episode. Yeah. This is so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> His tough guy persona, Bob Gibson, cemented in July. 1967, when Roberto Clemente lined a ball back up the middle, hit Gibson, and cracked his right shin. <gasps> Gibson pitched three more batters oh my God. before his legs snapped oh my above God. the ankle. Oh, my God. This is in July. <laughs> he returns to the team in September, won all three World Series starts as the Cardinals broke the Red Sox hearts and won the World Series in seven games. Oh, 
Holy shit. In 1968, <laughs> I know, incredible. He's the most badass guy wow. ever. In 1968, Bob Gibson posted a 112 ERA. In the 68 World Series, he struck out 17 Tigers in game one and had a complete game victory in game four. Although the Detroit Tigers beat him in the decisive game seven. The mound was lowered five inches the following season from 15 inches to 10 inches Mm -hmm. directly because of Bob Gibson's dominating performance. It's like he changed the game because he was too good. That's insane. He broke the game. Was he less good the next year? I mean, uh, yes, but like one, because the mound has changed and he's older. And also just like a a 1.12 ERA, like for the season. That's that's, insane. That's that's never going to happen again. That's He broke the game. Yeah, he, that's yeah, yeah. that's that's seventy three home runs, and they're like, ah, something's up. We yeah, gotta, we gotta figure this out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we gotta do something. That's hopefully wow. happens after this season. They fix. I was about to say, do you think it will? Fucking <laughs> juice ball breaking the game. Kind of is. Yeah. So is the shift. This honest. is no. This is no juice ball. This is Bob Gibson. This is pure it's skill. The best. Yeah. Yeah. He changed the game pure because force. of how dominant he is. That's insane. That's dude. amazing. That's crazy. Wrap it up with Bob Gibson. He said that he had nine different pitches, two different fastballs, two different sliders, a curveball, a changeup, the knockdown, the brushback, and the hit batsman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That guy's the best. Bob Gibson, you are unqualified oh number one <laughs> without shit. a doubt. Oh, yeah. Most badass. If we didn't choose him number pitcher. one, somehow he'd find out. And, and hunt us come, down. Yeah, and could just yeah. come into my house and start throwing baseballs at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's incredible. He's a, he's an amazing, uh, amazing guy. Wow. He actually, I, I would encourage everybody like read into Bob Gibson a little bit. He has like a like a really wry sense of humor, right? And you know, uh, yeah, says he like, says he doesn't like. Well, I didn't try to hit anybody. I'm what just you know what a piece of shit. Oh, he's he so knows. great. He's so. I feel great. like my only knowledge of Bob Gibson really comes from uh, Ken Burns. Oh yeah, sure. There you go. They go in depth a little bit about him. Yeah, my anyway. da- my dad talked about Bob Gibson. My dad talked about. I remember my dad telling me. I remember like because uh, uh, we watched that. So when Roger Clemens threw the bat, the the split bat at, in yeah. in the line of uh, Mike Piazza yeah. in the World Series. I was watching Yankees and Mets fans. I was watching that game with all my whole family. Yeah, yeah. And my dad was like. Man, Clemens is tough, but he wasn't Bob Gibson. <laughs> like Insane. he's still That's amazing. You know, yeah, he's the best. Wow. Bob Gibson, number one. Close out inside baseball. So Paul, we need to wrap up this movie. Let's wrap up this movie. We got Let's two wrap things. Up this thirty hour episode. <laughs> two things we have to do. Yeah. What is the MVP of this movie? This is our new Oh ca- yeah, we're doing this new bit. New category, I- season two. Oh shit, I totally forgot about this. That's fine. I got some nominees if we if we need for MVP. Sure. Johnny Simmons as Hopper, Ethan Hawke. Paul Giamatti, the director, Noah Bichelle. All great nominees, to be the honest. Nominees. I'm leaning, obvious, I think, towards the most obvious one. Yeah, that's who I pick. It's got to be Ethan Hawke. It's Ethan Hawke. It's Ethan Hawke. He's the MVP folks, of this movie. Folks, it's Ethan Hawke. <laughs> it it's is. probably Ethan Hawke in every movie. He's in. Yeah. <laughs> he just, I don't know, I think you can make a case for the director, just because, again, all the subtleties, the visual language is so important. But oh, totally. Ethan Hawke's performance is just... It's on fire, and it just it lights up this whole movie. It elevates the whole movie. He his presence in the scenes that he's in 
I think even elevates the scenes that he's not in, you know, because you're afraid he's going to come in at a right. moment. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. It, it he... completely, it completely illustrates why uh, Hopper is so timid around Paul Giamatti, and it makes the sweetness of those scenes all the more affecting because oh, yeah. you know that the rug is going to get pulled out. Two or three scenes later, he's going to run into Ethan Hawke again. He's, he he electrifies this movie. He really does. Yeah. Ethan Hawke, you're the MVP. You did it, buddy. MVP. Congratulations. You, what an honor that he has received from us. <laughs> Paul, how would you rate this movie? Before I rate it, actually, it's time for IMDb oh, Useless Trivia. Hey, Real quick, here we go. You ready? I'm so ready. The Born band-aid me. on Hop's face by an inch or two does not match the point where his father cut and bled him with a beer can. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Glad you saw I am to be trivia. That was the Padres. No one found that fact interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay, that segment's over. Hey. Thank you very much for playing. Uh, how would I rate this movie? Paul, how would you rate this movie? We got to rate it by a baseball term. That's what we do. <sighs> do you want to go first? I do. I, okay, I go got ahead. one. Okay, for me, God, they're so convoluted. Remember when it was like, we're going to rate it by a baseball movie? It's better convoluted, it's a double. I think. Yeah. Oh, I think so too. For me, this movie is when. Your team is losing because the other co- other team scores like a run or two every inning, mm, and so that's the worst feeling. Yeah, and so it's not a it's not like if you're if the other team scores like ten runs in the first inning, you're yeah. like, well, this game's done, yeah, yeah. and you can kind of relax yeah. in a weird way. But if you're always in the hunt, but they're just steadily increasing the pressure, yeah. So it's like they score a run, they score two, yeah. they score one. They score one, they score three, and then it's like the sixth inning and you're down like eight to two. Yeah, Yeah, and you're just like, you still have each inning, you still have like you're in it enough that you still have hope. Sure. But it's just the dread just piles on and it gets worse and worse. That's That's how I felt watching this movie. It was just like every scene was just so unrelentingly awful to this main character. I was just. I was like destroyed and filled with dread the whole time. That was the thing. I still had hope, but I was filled with dread the whole time. So that's what this movie is to me. That's good. I would rate it. I think maybe I'll start doing two in terms of like on the surface, (laughs) unconvoluted, I'd say a home run. I thought it was great. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, In terms of convoluted one, though, (laughs) I would say it is when you are in Little League and uh you strike out and that this didn't happen to me because my dad was very nice most of the time <laughs> he doesn't listen to this so it's fine <laughs> um but when uh, i and i saw it happen a lot in literally when the when and we saw it in this movie when you strike out and the dad in the stands just you what the hell was that just oh, starts yelling yeah. at the kid you know Ooh. i think it's that oh jeez um, yeah, it's that's my, it's that's sitting in the stands and seeing a yeah, crazy dad and not being able to do anything yell at another it. kid yeah dude which dad is worse uh ethan hawker robert de niro in the fan oh uh well probably robert de niro because he yeah, he's people. a terrorist <laughs> yeah he's essentially a terrorist but one terrorizes the other one's a literal terrorist <laughs> that's very true yeah ethan hawk i guess he's a drug runner but he doesn't he doesn't take a machine gun to fucking like, he probably would though I, i'm assuming he probably had yeah, some kind of right. gun in his job his quote job yeah oh boy man he's probably gonna end up in the stands for our season finale oh he's definitely gonna be there (laughs) all-star game (laughs) um hopper challenge this guy (laughs) (laughs) um 
but yeah, great movie. Yeah, I had one last sentence about this movie. Oh, that I wrote. what is it? I forgot to write, read earlier. I said a movie that completely understands how the facade of masculinity and its cycle from generation to generation is what is ruining the world. If only we could cry and talk more. You wrote that? I wrote that. Beautiful. Thank you, guys. If you want to watch the Phenom, it is available on iTunes, Amazon. It's on and off Netflix at times. So check there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was on Netflix. <laughs> a little inside baseball, inside baseball. We were gonna watch just the last minute of the movie just get that quote right and it's off netflix yeah i watched this two to three days ago on netflix and it's gone so yes. folks netflix is fleeting go buy movies check it go out go to your library go to your library go to your local fucking library Shout out to library and get a goddamn movie from i borrowed the dvd from the library yeah got those special features yeah it's really only the one the one special feature it's a good day it's more than the more than yeah. i got on netflix great paul next week yeah what are we doing million dollar arm oh i've never snap. seen it yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's more fun than this movie. I, I'm assuming. It is Disney. It it's is... going to be less dark and full of dread. Imagine if it's not. If it's like <laughs> just as dark. I don't think my review is going to be filled with dread. No, no. That's probably true. <laughs> During John Hamm's million dollar arc. During his little cricket journey he goes on. We'll see though. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. I'm, I'm, we'll I'm mildly excited. I like John Hamm. Yeah, me too. Anyway, this can all be cut. So, uh, folks, that that's going to do for it for today. us. <laughs> Everybody follow us on Twitter at Baseball Pod Show. Do Instagram, it. Playball Podcast. Please, please, please tweet us. Tweet, tweet us. Tweet, yeah, we, tweet at us yeah. a slogan for the end of this show. <laughs> That's all I want. And it's, I don't think at this point it's going to happen. So yeah, we, we'll, we, on our own because we're, we're dummies. Show. We want to hear from the people. Yeah, I guess. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. We're on Spotify. Yeah, leave a review. All it's really places. nice when people we do. We read them. We so do we read them. Know what, all what seven of them. <laughs> but again, thank you for those of you who do listen to the show. It means, yeah. it means the world to us. We love baseball. We love movies. We love talking about them. And if we can provide you some entertainment, it makes awesome. our day. Yeah. So, uh, so have a great day. That's it. So <laughs> remember, just remember, don't be like Ethan Hawke. And, mm. you know, be nice to your kids. <laughs> remember don't make me chase you right don't do that don't make me chase you if you want to be great you don't have to get up at 3 30 a.m a.m and beat your kids that's yeah. not that's not how that works time is now paul yeah these nobody oh, nobody Jesus. listens to this podcast but you me and the ghost of the legends <laughs> that's right not even my dad after this long out just long drawn out ending there's nobody gonna be listening at this no point. no that. we're signing off we love you guys see you later